Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm Corey Howell and I'm here with Chris Gladden. What's up, Chris? Hey, how we doing? Pretty good. Um, so this week, uh, one of the things I want to kind of talk about, um, because, you know, as we mentioned last week at the end of our episode, um, we partnered with Supercon here in Louisville, Kentucky, um, which is, uh, is this the first year that they're doing it? It's the first year that I've ever been aware of it, so I think it's the first year. That yeah, so it, it's kind of a new convention, but they got a lot of cool stuff on the agenda. Um, it looks like it's going to be a big deal. Um, I know I'm really looking forward to it. I, I haven't actually... Um, I've been to conventions before, but I've never been to like some of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see you know, how a local convention like that goes and, and what you know but i mean like i said they've got some cool stuff and cool people really yeah on the on the agenda and on on the itinerary and guest list and whatever so um i have a feeling it's going to go pretty well um but i did want to talk a little bit just in general um about conventions and and even about supercon and what you're looking forward to um out of the things that we've kind of talked about that are going to be on the list the people that are going to be there yeah um and stuff like that um but then also just talk about in general like why what's why a convention? Um, because conventions seem to be, uh, you know, a really big part of the nerd culture. Like, oh, yeah. um, nerds love getting together. I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably just sums it up right there. Um, but, but you know, just kind of talk about that a little bit, and then maybe talk a little bit about some of the conventions that we've been to, and um, and what we've liked, what we didn't like, and and you know why we even like going to conventions. You know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so at SuperCon, one of the things. Uh, or one of the really uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is is William Shatner. Yeah, I would love I, I would love to meet William Shatner. So I, that, I mean, he's like one of the top people on that list. Oh, he is. Um, I mean, if you look at the list, I mean, he's the biggest celebrity yeah, on there, right? Absolutely, I mean, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, for Chris and I, we we've we get the opportunity to have media passes, so we're going to be able to. Um, have hopefully have access to these guys that are going to be there and and um, hopefully be able to interview them. Which um, you know I, I do. We've got a I've got the full setup to record um, on site interviews there. So you know if, if we get a chance to sit down and talk with William Shatner, like we'll be able to record that for you guys and absolutely and be able to to bring that to a podcast. Um, we'll also be able to sit in on the Q and A panels and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, assuming Chris and I can come up with good questions for these guys, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we'll be able to, to share that with you guys. But more or less, we'll be able to just kind of talk, you know, bring back a pretty behind the scenes look at at the convention, if nothing less. Yeah, that's that's probably the thing I'm most excited about now that that we've been able to yeah, talk. About no kidding. That. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. Um, that it does just provide a little bit of a different experience, like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been to plenty of bodybuilding shows, um, but the last one that I went to, which you actually were there also, but, you know, we got uh, my, my other podcast that I do is a bodybuilding podcast, Two Scoops Radio, so if you guys want to listen to, learn about bodybuilding, um, check it out. Um, but my co-host for that show and I were able to get media passes for that show, and we did a bunch of interviews um, there at, at the show, and, and it just kind of changed things a little bit, um, and it was just a real cool to be like a, to feel like you were being a part of something. Oh yeah! Instead of just being like, um, oh, I'm just a patron, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just a customer, or I'm just a whatever. You know, we were actively part of the things that were going on at the yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in the similar light, I'm really excited to see how that is for for a convention like this, which, in all honesty, is a lot cooler than a bodybuilding show. So, right. um, <laughs> um, what, what, I mean, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, getting to to interview some of the Celebrities is going to be awesome. Um, but also one of the other things that we can do is interview, you know, some of the people that have the booze there, um, you know, especially some of the local 
companies and kind of get you know what what local people are doing i mean yeah that's a really good point i, I mean there's a that. lot of there's a lot of you know talent that we've never seen here in louisville you know just because either we you know not in the same group as them or or you know we just you know we just never come across you know whatever that they're selling um you know so i'm sure that there's a lot of artists here in louisville you know i mean we have quite a few um art shows here in louisville but you know maybe some of the nerdier artists or people yeah, that like or people that are under maybe too. some undercover nerd artists that you know yeah. sometimes you know sometimes they like to you know paint cats but other times they like to you know paint, paint goku the, or yeah something. goku <laughs> exactly um or or you know i mean other superheroes or you know whatever so there's as long know, as it's not superman as long <laughs> That's a waste of ink. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but Superman's missing on the the stairwell going upstairs. Is I finally sold him. Oh, really? A little, a little sad about uh, it. You, but. We finally shipped him, right? You sold him a little yeah, while ago. So. Yeah. Um, um, no, but yeah, I mean I, that's a really good point. It's something that I didn't really think about is mm-hmm. the vendors and and things that'll be there and and really being able to network. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, meeting um, businesses and, and other just. In, I don't want to say in other influential nerds like we are particular like we are ourselves particularly influential. Right. <laughs> um, I don't want to necessarily give us that credit, but just other people that you know we could potentially learn from and, and yeah. collaborate with and. and Things like that. I mean, yeah, like the the orc cosplay group. Like yep. we haven't really gotten to interact much with them, but this is a perfect opportunity for us. You know, just the two of us to get to know them, and then hopefully our podcast to get to know them too. If you've been interested in getting into cosplay, yeah, or, that's one of the things. You know, I did want to see if we could have somebody on that, that does that. You know, yeah. because it's um, man, it's intimidating. Like, um, and I, and I don't mean just like you know, there are some. I guess what I will call easier barrier of entry cosplay type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, I mean, and it's mostly Star Wars because I think that's a big, like, that's a, a big market, cosplay market. Yeah. So you have businesses um, or, or even in your case, like your Kylo Ren came from someone on Etsy. Mm-hmm. So while they're not necessarily a business, like a big business, like a Novos or something. Right. They are a business, right? Yeah, I mean, and, there's people that just make boots or just make gloves, you know. Right, for but, cos- it's, but it's for Star Wars type yeah, stuff, exactly. typically, where you mm-hmm. see these commercial opportunities. And I want to say, I mean, not that, to take away from the coolness of those, but it's not quite the same as somebody, like, making their own from scratch right. costume of a character that they like that no one sells. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the guys it's that do crazy, that. It's crazy, man. I, I mean, mean, what they can make out of foam... It's just you're unbelievable. Like, like yeah. there's no way that's made out of foam. And you go up and you really look at it, and it's like, damn, that's that's friggin' foam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the same foam padding your gym floor. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's they're just chopping that stuff up and drilling it and painting it and you know making it look like real armor or yeah. maybe not real armor, but like real fantasy armor. You know that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I mean and, and you know, it's it's obviously going to have that five foot kind of rule where yeah, yeah, is it going to look like polished stainless steel when you're right up on it? No, but from five ten feet away like it looks pretty damn good yeah Um, i mean most people you're just kind of walking past them anyway so you see them in a convention you're not getting all up in their business yeah can i I knock on that and see what it's made of right i mean um so i just i think it'd be really cool to talk to somebody that does that type of cosplay and really kind of i mean and even i mean for our listeners but really even just for myself like what does that look like Mm -hmm. um and what's that process like and where do you even start because You know, there are so many things where I'm like, oh, that'd be, it'd be cool to be him. Mm-hmm. Or you see somebody's cosplay like on Instagram or something. You're like, oh, that's awesome. Right. 
But then you like I sit there for a second when I see some of those and I'm like, but how does he like that's impressive? Yeah, I mean a lot of stuff's pretty intimidating to 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 want to start. I mean some of the stuff that I've looked at doing because I like collecting um, like movie memorabilia and stuff like that. I don't have as much as I used to, but um, you know just anything to remind me of some of my favorite movies. And one of the most popular things from those are like the weapons from movies. So you know like Blade Runner, you know his his pistol is a very popular yeah, yeah, yeah. item that that a lot of people will make their own or get like a 3d print or even you know there's higher caliber ones where it's like they send you parts of like a real gun to make it and then right because that's how the original ones yeah similar to the star wars weapons right exactly they're like world war ii weapons or something that they Mm -hmm. modified basically so there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff that i wanted i've always wanted to try to make but like making a whole costume that just seems like it's really intimidating and like even 3d printing stuff doesn't intimidate me because i understand that i mean Mm -hmm. i'm I've done that. I mean, I get it. I've modeled three stuff in 3D software. I've printed the same things that I've modeled. That doesn't scare me. But when you're like, yeah, you're going to take this flat sheet of foam. Right. And you're going to carve it into a shape to look like armor. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to intricately paint it. Yeah. And it has to fit you and look like look good. And, you know, it's like, man, that is something else. Um, so it's just because I'm not a particularly crafty person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can paint miniatures or whatever, but I don't necessarily consider that crafty. Yeah. Um, to me, that's more like attention to detail type stuff. Right. I mean, mo- painting a miniature for the average person is going to be like paint by numbers. Like this, this panel needs to be blue. This panel right. needs to be green. And you, you and paint you're all that really stuff. Physically making something, yeah. right? Like, like that's where it gets me. It's mm-hmm. like I, I mean, you're taking something that in no way, shape, or form resembles what you want it to be. Right. And you're transforming that into something that looks, you know, something like like a, sheet, a set of armor or a, a giant sword or something, mm-hmm. you know. And we don't, you know, I I don't want to discourage anybody that's interested in getting into cosplay because I mean it, it kind of sounds like we're like, oh, you know, it's scary to do. But like like you said earlier, I mean, there's there's entry level cosplay yeah. things yeah, that you can do to start, you know, to to dig your teeth into it. And then you can start looking at some of this higher. I mean, or if you're, I mean, if you're the kind of person that picks up stuff quick, and you can yeah. just look at a YouTube video and figure out how to make something. I mean, you can build some of this. And, and really I guess the thing, stuff. yeah, I guess it's not. Um, yeah, I don't mean to discourage anyone, but I just, I, I more, it's more out of all. Yeah, that's guess, what, that's that, exactly that where this, I was going. It's, like, like I'm not saying that this is impossible. Yeah, but I'm looking at this and saying, holy crap! I mean, it's and, really and, impressive. And, and it's, it's almost, it's it, for me, I'm in all of their creativity because yeah. it's not the physical processes that actually scare me. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think you know, I've, I've worked with my hands or whatever. I've welded. I've done all kinds of making stuff type things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get the the processes of using a knife to shape something or to cut it into certain sizes or whatever mm-hmm. um but it's like that the, the the vision part of it like how do you like without a template without yeah. like you said that color by cut here right color this, yeah, this our, color. our imaginations are just suck apparently yeah no it does i mean that, that's honestly i think it's a lot of it for me at least is that it's that kind of that part of it scares me right is how do i you know without and i don't want to necessarily i think part of the fun is making these costumes your own mm-hmm. and doing your own kind of spin on it and, and I mean, while you could like go to YouTube and just copy what someone else has done, like you, you know, part of the fun is, is being original with it to a certain extent, I would imagine. Right. Um, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's, there's certainly entry level type stuff you can do. I mean, or you can just buy a costume like I did. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not at a point where I'm comfortable or I have the time to try to make a costume myself. I've just too many hobbies going on right yeah. now, but eventually I would love to like, you know, there's some of the, um, like World of Warcraft 
armors. You know, like I'm not really big into World of Warcraft, but I love some of the, you know, different um, like levels of armor that they have. Like some of the paladin um, suits of armor are just really amazing. Oh, absolutely. So, like some, you, you got to have a big hammer. Yeah, you got to have a big hammer. And, and, and some of that seems like it would be pretty reasonable to recreate. I mean, I've seen some Reinhardts from um, Overwatch, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I'm he's not. this giant, basically he's just a giant suit of armor. Okay. And some people have made some costumes of him. And I mean, he's like the size of a space marine. Like, he's this giant guy. And, you know, people are like wearing stilts and, you yeah. know, they, they're having to use like these little uh, mechanical things to like move the hands and stuff because the hands are like the size of a, you know, like, I don't even know. I mean, they're just, they're giant. They're the size of like a surfboard just about, you know, um, and they're able to operate these hands and stuff like that. That's something that like, man, I would love to try to do one day. Um, maybe not that like that hardcore, but something like that. Something where you put a lot of effort into. Cause I have, I've never had like a real project that I've spent like a year working on. And I mean, maybe that's, yeah, that's, I'm too impatient. Yeah. I, I kind of, you know, it's, it's definitely a fault. Um, you know, cause I've, I've, well, and I mean, so I mean, I've got the stormtrooper armor that I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, and unfortunately, honestly, a lot of the reason that I slowed down on that was because, um, a time, but B, the things that I have to do to the armor to make it fit me personally, which are not issues that most people would have with Stormtrooper armor, mm-hmm. are, are just like way more intensive. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I know this is not going to be okay, spend 10 hours trimming stuff like edges and you're going to be good. Then just put the clips on and you're good to go. Right. I mean, it's going to be like we have to basically fabricate entire parts that are are not big enough to fit me, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little more involved, you know, but um, it's it. It's one of those things that it's going to get done eventually. But again, um, it's hard for me to under to even start that project because I understand the time frame that it's going to take to do it. And it's like I. I've been real bad. It's similar to you where it's like, I don't know if I can take a, a project. It's going to take me a year. Yeah. You know, that's just, again, it's just going to sit in a box. So I mean, we've got, we got two months till, uh, the convention. Yeah. Really? I mean, we'll see. I don't know. If, <laughs> the problem is again, it goes back to time. I just don't right. have an potentially have enough free time in between there to really put a dent in it. Unless I were to like detract from other things that I'm doing. So speaking of, um, Star Wars, do we know if the local 501st is going to have anything? I'm sure they will be. Yeah. I can ask them. Yeah, that would But I think they posted in the thing that they're going to that there will be plenty of the 501st guys. Yeah, there. I know I know that they said something about like some of them being there. I just didn't know if they were, you know, like so at some conventions they'll have like their own booth or something like that. Oh, yeah, I don't know if they'll um, be doing that, but um I obviously those guys will be there. Right. It, it's very rare that you get to uh troop in your backyard. So Right. I'm Especially sure they'll be at, jumping all over at that. A, at a, I mean, it should be a pretty decent sized convention. I would too. agree. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like they're trying to make this like basically like Louisville Comic Con kind of thing, like a like the bigger con for Louisville. So, I'm pretty excited about that. There's actually a couple a couple um, conventions here in Louisville. You got like. Um, Fandom Fest, which unfortunately last year I think was a little bit of a flop, um, but I know that some people really enjoyed it previous years. Um, I missed it the year that Stan Lee came, oh, which I was didn't, two yeah. two years ago. I believe. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I I went on. Uh, <laughs> I was actually in Gatlinburg that weekend. I had you know I hadn't taken like a real vacation and in a you while. chose. Gatlinburg. Yeah, I mean, it was over meeting Stanley. Yeah, I didn't know that Stanley was going to be there until I'd already like set everything up, and I was just like, "Well, I guess I'm just going to Gatlinburg." <laughs> yeah, I would have been sitting on the couch with whoever I was there with, like, I don't even want to be here. Right? right. This is stupid. <laughs> um, 
there is um, conglomeration, mm-hmm. which I'm not super familiar with it. I went to it probably five or six years ago to play like a Warhammer tournament, but I think it's all, a Warhammer tournament. Yeah, yeah, I think I did win it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it's I think they do a lot of gaming there. I know there's some cosplay, but like the biggest draw is like the after party. Apparently, like everybody like blocks off like a part of the hotel, and oh, it's okay. just this giant party. Um, and then uh, what else do we have? I think Derby City Comic Con is yeah it? yeah I, I've never been to one of those. I, I imagine that it's not really that big because I I feel like I would have heard more about it. Yeah, um, Wonder Wonderfest is here. Which um, I'm sure most people um, listening have no idea what that is, but that's a convention all about um, like garage kit statues and stuff like mm. that. So like um, you know some of the statues that I collect and whatnot, but it's more about the people that uh, build their own and paint their own and stuff like that. Like actually that Wolverine that I painted, yeah, um, I was originally gonna try to put him in to their little painting competition there. That was I was originally painting him for that, um, but I didn't end up getting to go because stuff with work kind of kind of held me up. Um, but those are the only real like nerd type conventions that right. I'm familiar yeah, with. I'm I sure mean, that there's more, um, but it sounds I mean it sounds like Louisville SuperCon could be could be kind of big. I mean looking at the lineup. Yeah, um, and I think it's just important that you know we make it big, and and that you know that's part of the problem with these smaller conventions. I think is it's kind of this like this weird feedback loop of conventions don't attract good like talent mm-hmm. or, or like I don't know attractions or whatever you, you know what, what you want to call it, but um, whether it's people or vendors or whatever, they're not going to attract those people if they can't if they don't have good attendance numbers mm-hmm. or and. and Maybe because the convention can't afford them, I don't know how that works. But, um, but so it's kind of this weird. Like, if there's not good people coming or good reasons to go, people won't go. Right. And then, and then because not enough people go, there's not good people coming. Right. Um, so I think one of the important things, since this is new, is like to support it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's my thing. Is if it's new and we've got good people coming, like there's potential here, right? I mean, if we can get William Shatner, I don't know. I mean, I, I would venture to say there's not a whole lot of people that we probably couldn't get to come, right? You know, if, assuming it's a success like they're anticipating it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys are listening or, or whatever, if you have friends or whatever that do you think could would like a convention like this, I mean. Come, you know, come check it out um, and bring your friends. I mean, you know, that's the important part is it's so funny when you hear, I, I don't mean to talk shit about people, but you always hear people about talking about how unsuccessful things are. Right. But, but they, they don't, don't support, support it. So yeah, that's that's the key, right, is if you want to have a big, cool convention in Louisville and you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish we had a Comic-Con here. Like, you know why Comic-Con's big? Because people go to it. Right. And if you're sitting on your couch while a convention here is going on, like, you're not doing your part. Exactly. Um, so, you know, and it's one of those things where you might have to suck it up for a couple years. And I'm not saying it's going to be the biggest convention on this you know, on, the, on the East Coast or in, on the East side of the country in the next 10 years or five years or maybe. Maybe it never will be, but I can guarantee you that it won't ever be anything worthwhile right. if you don't go in the first first place. Right? Exactly. Um, so you know, it just just do your part, I guess. You know, there's there's I love this city. I like the city a lot, and I will do whatever I can to support bringing more cool stuff here. If that mm-hmm. means spending twenty bucks on a weekend to go get a ticket to a convention, so be it. Even if it's not the best convention, you right. know, I mean, I'm fine with that. Um, and conventions, I mean, conventions are, are pretty fun when you bring people with you. Like, I, I probably would never go to a convention by myself. No, I wouldn't either, which is part of the reason I've never gone in the past because, um, 
you know, I didn't really have a ton of nerd, um, quote unquote, nerd friends right. who would want to go to Derby City Comic Con. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, what do you, I'm not going to walk around a convention by myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and that's the great thing about our group is that you're going to have people to go with. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think... Um, you should wear your t-shirts, too. Wear, yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's a good way to find people, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look for the Nerd Like Me t-shirt, there'll be somebody there for you guys to hang out with. And we got some new colors coming out, too. We do. So We're you can stand on. out. Yeah, we we do. So, um, you know, there's a lot... You know, That's the, the benefit of being in a group like this is we'll be able to maybe even set up a time and say, hey... You know, we're going to go to the convention on Saturday. We're going to start at 10 a.m. We're going to meet outside or whatever. And that way, if you want to go with a group of people and you don't have anybody to go with, now you do. You do. You don't have an excuse anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, or you can just come try to find us. You yeah, can. we'll be there. I mean, you can come. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will probably bore you with conversation. But <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this, then at least you, you might have something to say to us in person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so outside of William Shatner, I know there's going to be some wrestling stars there, which unfortunately I was never really a big wrestling fan growing up. And yeah, I, know- I wasn't. I wasn't a huge fan, but uh, I, I I enjoy. Uh, I take that back. I was a pretty big fan up until like maybe fourth or fifth grade. So nine or ten years old or something like that. I was a pretty big fan until then, but none of my friends really were. So I think that's a big part of why I got out of it. And then you just, I, I don't mean, think at that my age, parents would let me watch it. Really? Yeah, which for whatever reason. My parents wouldn't let me watch Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> really? Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch that either, but I, I did. But uh. um, but yeah, like I think that like at, at that age, you start um, realizing that stuff is not... Doesn't add up? Yeah, stuff is not real. You know, it's like, wh- why Like why are these guys not actually hitting each other? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, and, and you know, par- I mean, part of it is... Part of the reason people love it is because of the soap opera of it. And I, I get that. Like, I mean, the rivalries and whatnot. I mean, I can see how that's interesting. Um, but growing up, like, thinking that it was real and then, like, realizing that it's not. I mean, it kind of jaded me on it. Yeah. Um, but I still do appreciate some of the old wrestlers. So, we'll t- real quick, just name some of the some of the wrestlers that are going to be there. Um, let me see here. Where are they on the list? Um, so I, know, I remember Sergeant Slaughter is going to be there. So, um He's also of G.I. Joe fame, if you're not mm-hmm. into wrestling. Um, he was actually on G.I. Joe. Jim Cornette. Um, Leva Bates. I don't know who that is, but apparently her nickname is Blue Pants or something because it's in quotes here. Uh, Diamante. No clue who that is. James Ellsworth. Kane. That's a pretty big name. Yep. I remember him from when I was a kid. He had the um, mask, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, everybody knows or has at least heard of Jerry the King Lawler. Um, Teddy Long. Not really familiar with him, but he he looks kind of familiar. Booker T, um, he's kind of a big name. And then Zeta Zhang, I'm not sure who that is either, but there, there might be even more that are getting added on there. So that's not exactly a list I'm super excited about, but some of the featured celebrities. Well, you guys might be, though. I mean, if you're huh? wrestling Oh, yeah. Fans, I mean, I mean, uh, I know Brandon is a wrestling fan, so mm-hmm. I was I've, I was actually texting surprised. him the other day about like all the wrestlers that were going to be there, so I was trying to convince him to go. Um, but Joey Adams, you might not know who she is by her name, but um, she was in Big Daddy, Chasing Amy and Mallrats, and and uh, Biodome. She was the blonde girl oh, in okay. Biodome. Like, like I absolutely loved her yeah. when I was a I'm, kid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I had a huge crush on her. So, Cooper Andrews, he was on The Walking Dead. Um, I think he's in Shazam. I'm not really familiar with him either, but uh, he looks familiar. Uh, LeVar Burton of oh, uh, Reading Rainbow I was fame. Say, Reading Rainbow and, and Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, Star Trek. Um, he was also on Captain Planet. Um, and he was in classic. Roots. Roots, of course. That was uh, another classic. Um, John Delancey. Um, he was in quite a few things. His face is familiar, but I don't really 
remember him in any of these parts. Apparently, he was in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, I mean, um, wouldn't know that. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star hmm. Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Voyage. Oh, shit. Um, and he was he, he had to have been in something else. Maybe he was on, uh, God, I don't know. Oh, he was in Break. I think he was in uh, Breaking Bad, too. Okay. I think he was... You're the only one looking at the pictures, so... Oh, what? I think he... Which guy? The guy on the... You're right. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he... I, I think actually he was, I remember him I'm pretty Star sure Trek. he was the guy that was the air traffic controller. Okay. In Breaking Bad. Oh, you're right. That that looks right. But I, I do remember him from Star Trek also. Yeah. Um, Jason David Frank, who is uh, the Green Ranger, also the White Ooh. Ranger. Um, so, I mean, that's a guy that I'd love to meet. I mean, he's a he's a guy of many talents. I mean, he he's actually been an MMA fighter, um, you know, and... And I mean, I, the Green Ranger was my most kids' favorites. Oh yeah, because <laughs> his friggin' Megazord was awesome. Yeah, CJ Graham from Friday the Thirteenth. I don't really know what he did on that, but I guess he was Jason. Hmm. Yeah, there's pictures of Jason in the background, so that must be. <laughs> um, Sean Gunn. He was also in, or he was. Um, he's uh, the voice of Rocket Raccoon, I think. Hmm. Um, he was also in Gilmore Girls, if you're into that kind of thing. And Tromeo and Juliet, no clue what that is. <laughs> um, and the Belco Experiment, I remember hearing about that movie. Ryan Hurst, um, he was um, in Sons of Anarchy, is where most people, I think, would know him. He was also in Bates Motel um, and We Were Soldiers. I'm trying to think of some bigger names that people would identify with. Um, Lloyd Koofman, um, he was he's in a, quite a few things. He looks super familiar, but I can't, I don't remember him in any of this. So, Class of Nukem High, Poltergeist, Night of the Chicken Dead, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the Toxic that. Avengers, um, Troma Entertainment, and he was also in Tromeo and Juliet. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, Brian o, O'Halloran. So he was the you know one of the main characters in Clerks the oh the oh guy. yeah 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 um, and then Michael Rooker who was also in Guardians of the Galaxy um, he's also Mallrats in The Walking Dead um, got down to William Shatner he'll be there pretty exciting um, Jason Smith he was in The Walking Dead he was a character I really hated in that. <laughs> <laughs> that show, so we'll go ahead and skip on past that. Um, oh, and uh, Henry Winkler. Really? Yeah. So uh, if you're not familiar with him, he was in Arrested Development, um, Happy Days, Better Late Than Never, uh, and he's in a bunch of Adam Sandler movies, yeah. namely uh, The Waterboy. He was yeah. the, the the coach in The Waterboy. Um, and there's a ton of animation and anime guests that... Uh, so I'm not going to name all these people, but I'll, I'll name some of the shows that they're on because it's just going to take too long. Um, so, well, actually, I'll name Kevin Conroy. I mean, most people know that as the name of... I mean, he's the voice of Batman. If you ever listen to Arkham Asylum, yeah, Batman the Animated not, not Series. Not quite as good as Mark Hamill, who's the voice of the Joker. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, he's I not... can give or take that voice of Batman. Yeah. But I can't, I can't... I don't know, man. Like, when I think of his voice, I do think of Batman. I mean, when I think of oh, Batman, like, it's, it's him to me. Um, so there's people from Overwatch... Um, Red versus Blue, which I used to love years and years ago, or Overwatch. Um, some, I guess the name or the the voice of Mickey Mouse, Brent Iwen. I didn't know that guy was the name Mickey Mouse, but we'll go with that. Um, let's see here. More Batman characters. Uh, so Lauren Lester, he's the name or he's the voice of Robin in all the Batman series. Um, Dragon Ball Z characters will be there. Uh, actually, hmm. the voice of Brawly. Um, his name's Vic Mig- Mignogna. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> um, oh, um, Alan Oppenheimer. 
Uh, he's the voice of Skeletor, which is like one of my favorite like cartoon voices because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'll stop there. I'm, I'm sure I'm kind of boring a lot of people <laughs> with naming no, all these people. There's, off, there's some but, people uh, from My Hero Academia there. Oh yeah, there. that's right. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to meeting them. Um, that's one of the ones I know off the top of my head. Um, I mean, there, there's quite a few other people that are going to be there. Um, like some some comic creators. Um, the creator of King of the Hill, Joel Adams, um, and I mean, there's CBC or CBCS, which is Comic Book Grading Service. They're going to be there. I mean, a lot of people are interested in having slabbed books. So if you want to, I'm not want to. Yeah, you you aren't yet. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's just so there's much going there. on. I yeah. mean, and that's not even talking about like the vendors that are going to be there. I mean, that's that's like one of my favorite parts of going to conventions is walking through the vendors hall. I oh, mean, yeah. every convention that I go to, like, I mean, we hit the vendors hall like four or five times. So, well, that's where you spend your money. That's oh, where yeah. you get stuff to, you know, remember it by. It's where you, I mean, you always just see all these little things that you're just like, man, I never knew that existed. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, I mean, the vendors hall, I mean, it, it might sound obvious, but some people might not know what I'm talking about. So the vendors hall is basically where all of the people trying to sell stuff, uh, conglomerate. I mean, they all get together and they're in these long rows and you just walk up and down these long rows and you've got, uh, you know, people selling everything from cosplay to little statues, to action figures, to games, to, you know, just whatever. I mean, yep. um, you know, usually they're going to be somewhat related to the convention that they're a part of. So you might have a booth that sells you know um um uh, world championship belts or something like that you know with all the wrestling stuff you might have something like that there um you'll probably have some people selling you know cosplay stuff mm-hmm. um usually when you're at a convention like this you're gonna find a booth that repairs cosplay stuff you know if you accidentally grip the shoulder pad off of your your, your new armor there's somebody there that might be able to fix that for you instead of you having to truck all the way home or back to your hotel room to try to fix that kind of thing. Um, You know, people sell different games. Um, There might be new games that are coming out that people are trying to demo, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, different things. And that's that kind of thing is big at Gen Con, right? Oh yeah. That's, that's basically what Gen Con's all about is demoing new games and new gaming products. Um, If you're not familiar with Gen Con, it's, pretty much the biggest convention like in our area it's in indianapolis um and i think the year that i went which was like 2013 and it seems like it's gotten bigger every year i think there were like thirty-two thousand people there yeah it's not small yeah. <laughs> i mean that's that's insane i mean um but the big i mean the biggest attraction there is the vendors hall i mean it was the size of like two like two football fields or something i mean it's yeah. enormous I mean, well that convention center's you know it's not small in and of itself right um, and I actually, so the first convention that I ever went to was there and it was Star Wars Celebration 3. Okay. Uh, 2005, right before episode three came out. Awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're right. It is, it is a big place and I don't, I don't know how many people were there for that, but I mean, we waited outside to get in for like hours. Did you have to like go in and get a badge too, or they like mail you your badge for that one? We will call them. So I think we had to walk in and get them, but then we still had to like wait in line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was weird, but I don't remember the specific situation, but I remember having to wait in line for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like the line was wrapped around the convention center. Yeah. Like, because it's it's real close to the football stadium, so we were actually like up on this elevated piece by the football stadium. I don't know, ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. Um, that was, like I said, that was my first convention. So, and it was a hell of a first convention. Yeah, I mean, it's out. So, how many people do you think were probably at that one? I mean, it easily that many, thirty something wow. thousand in two thousand and five um, too. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, it's Star Wars, right? Yeah. 
mean, um, let me. Is see. that where they have it every year? Is in Indianapolis? No. So so after they've moved it. Um, so they moved it the next year to like I forget somewhere else. But then it, it ended up um, in I don't remember where Celebration Four was. It maybe in California somewhere. Celebration Five was in Orlando, and I went to that one also. Okay. Um, which was even bigger so is that is that every year that they have that or is it just uh, when like some milestone so happens? yeah it's not every year um i'm trying to think i don't know that there's a, a and, and this is probably wrong um but it's like every two years i think now they're on a schedule where they're doing one in europe and then one in the u.s okay um and so the next one's going to be next year 2020 2019 i'm sorry from don't even know what year it is um and it's going to be in chicago oh that's not too far away it is not i will definitely be attending um but Orlando was nice. Um, yeah, I'd probably looks like last go to year. Orlando, but <laughs> yeah, so there isn't one this year. Last year it was in Orlando. Sets new attendance record at over seventy thousand fans. Seventy thousand people. That is just insane. Yeah, that's no, no joke, man. <laughs> um, so the really cool thing um, at I think it was Celebration Three when we went in Indianapolis. It was. Um, there's a on the first day of the convention they have what's called like the opening ceremonies where it's I mean they they pack a theater basically um, and you have all kinds of you know movies all the Star Wars stars and mm-hmm. um, people involved in the universe and whatever um, talking and, and talking about what's going to go on and what they're excited for and what's coming up and, and what's going on at the convention and all this kind of stuff. My cousin who I went with um, he started the line for that really. Yeah. So like So how how early did he have to get I mean it was like all day. Yeah. I mean I don't think there was a period of time where we weren't where at least our our moms were not waiting in line because I was 15 at this point so right. we didn't go by ourselves and somehow our moms <laughs> That's they, pretty tolerant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so but he ended up having to hold a sign and I think there are pictures probably somewhere of, of this on the internet where it's like he's got a sign that says, "Yes, this is the start of the opening ceremonies line." Because people would just kept coming up. Yeah. Like is this is this the line for this? So he just made a sign, and I mean that line route like it was just like all the way down the the side of the con- like through the convention hall. Wow. Um, so yeah, we got pretty good seats to, to say the least. But I always thought that was a pretty good story. Like you know to be at the start of that line. That is pretty sweet. Um, and then we the other thing that was kind of cool with that convention was. Um, you'll be proud of this, but there's um, they usually sell like exclusive merchandise at mm-hmm. the convention, and this this year was a. A Darth Vader figure. Mm. Um, episode three, right? It makes sense. Oh yeah. But it was it was exclusive. You could only buy four each. T- each pass, they would cut like cut holes in your badge. Okay. So I I bought eight of them because um, <laughs> my mom was with me. So I bought eight of them for like ten bucks a piece or something. Right. And as soon as I had them, my dad was at home and he had made an eBay listing. <laughs> and no shit, within like twenty minutes of buying them, I had sold them for like a hundred bucks or something a piece. Right. Wow. It was That's something awesome. ridiculous. I mean, it was like, and I didn't even, have, I mean, didn't do, I mean, it was just no, no time at all. But I, I'm not a collector. So I was like, I'll take that money. And I bought a lightsaber with it. Yeah. So. I did the same thing at my first Gen Con. Um, we had, um, we stood in line for this game called War Machine and Hordes. Um, and they had just started coming out with these things called Colossus. And they're okay. basically just giant, you know, giant monsters or whatever. And this, I think this was the first one that they'd ever come out with. And they released it like months before you could get, actually get one at the, at Gen Con. Oh, wow. And I bought one, I think it was like 80 bucks or something, maybe 90 bucks, something like that. And, uh, before I paid for it, I'd sold it on eBay. 
<laughs> like I'm in line. I mean, it took. I mean, it took like an hour and a half to get through this line. But I'm like, I'm holding it, so it's not like I'm just holding some ticket where you know I might not end up getting right, mine or had, whatever. You were gonna get I had it in my hand, like I was gonna pay for it, and so I was just like, well, fuck it, I'm throwing this thing on eBay. Um, and I, th- I think I got like 200 bucks for it, which which I was pretty happy about. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love getting a good deal. Like oh that. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, granted, I know most people, you know, hate that guy, but. No, you know what? I mean, there's, there's people out there that want it first, and they can't make it to these things. So I'm providing I'm a service. I mean, realistically, <laughs> that's what it was, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure the people that bought those action figures from me weren't at the convention. Yeah, you know, because why exactly. wouldn't they just go wait in the line? Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I mean, it took for probably three hours to get through that line, but yeah, but I mean, for a 15 year old kid, I mean, like I said, I bought. You know, I pretty, bought a, it's a pretty good return. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> and I, and I, I bought uh, my first Force FX lights, well, my only Force FX lightsaber with it. Is that the one sitting, sitting it is. back there? Yeah, and it's uh, so that I mean, that was a the original. Um, it's, it wasn't when they. I think Hasbro makes them now. Yeah, and it wasn't Master Replicas made them back then. Oh, okay, so that's even more. Oh, it's nice. Like oh, Master really Replicas. Good. It's the the hilt. So was I remember nice. there was like some kind of story you were telling about. Oh yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, a little embarrassing, I guess, but. Um, so it was probably not too long after we got back from the convention, maybe a month or so, and I was playing with it in the in my basement, and um, I was swinging it around or whatever, and I hit the couch with it, and the blades are like this pretty tough plastic. Um, it's not like it's almost the blades flexible basically, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't it's not going to snap or anything. I mean it's pretty sturdy. Right. So when, the way that I hit the couch, I don't even know how I managed to do this. But I I bent the blade bent when I hit the couch and it bent and it's almost it acted like a spring when it bent and as soon as I stopped trying to swing it basically like I kind of let off the force mm-hmm. um, of the swing it like rebounded and when it rebounded it hit me right in the face and at first I just thought it hurt real bad right but then I like touched my face and there was just blood all over my hand <laughs> oh jeez so I go in the bathroom and it didn't I mean it hurt but it wasn't terrible or anything so I'll go in the bathroom and my lip is just split from my nose all the way down to my lip from a toy lightsaber <laughs> well yeah with a fucking metal hilt um, so I go outside and my mom's sitting out in the backyard and I'm like I'm just holding my face and I'm just kind of like we gotta go to, we gotta go to the hospital because it was I mean I needed stitches I mean yeah. there was there was a you know half inch gap in my skin oh, so and she's like well, what happened and I just like kind of struggled to come up with the words to like explain to her that I had been playing with a toy lightsaber and I basically hit myself in the face with it and I needed stitches um, but then, play, what was, play with your lightsabers responsibly right yeah these are not toys they're, they're weapons. Um, they can do some real damage, but the wor- even worse than telling my mom was then when we go to the hospital, every single person we interact with wants to know what happened. Yeah. And I didn't like, there was no way, like I, I at that point I was like, I didn't want to lie. <laughs> and he's like, I just fell. Right. You know, and my mom's got, it's kind of funny cause my mom's there with me and she's kind of looking at me like, so like, I'm definitely not going to lie in front of her cause she knows what happened. Right. You know? So I have to tell all these people in the hospital, the nurses, the lady at the desk, the doctor that I had hit myself in the face with a lightsaber. And, and I mean, you could tell that they were like trying not to laugh, like, you know, but they thought it was funny. Um, I I can't say I blame them. It is funny. Being a medical professional, I'll go ahead and say that it would be very hard for me to not laugh. I mean, I I wouldn't have been mad if they laughed, I guess it's just embarrassing, you know? Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the story of my lightsaber. That I swindled, I guess, from selling action figures. I guess I karma came back to me, and all the collectors out there that are harboring ill will, don't worry, you got you got some in the face. (laughs) Yeah, Um, 
But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think the people that that aren't there, they don't care. Right. You know, if there's a collector out there that wants something for the exclu- exclusivity of it and isn't able to be there, I mean, he's willing to spend the money. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's worth that money to him. Right. Um, I didn't feel like I was, you know, I don't feel like I'm, like, extort- extorting somebody. Right. I mean, you're not the guy that went in and bought 300 of them so that nobody else could buy them. You bought what you were allotted. Right. Which is and that's fair. What, that's what I'm saying. Everybody else that was there, yeah. like, they weren't going to run out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that maybe they would, but um, realistically, they probably weren't going to run out. Yeah. I mean, if there were, like, 30,000, 120,000 if everybody bought it. Well, I'm, right. But I'm saying, <laughs> okay, when I say that, I mean, you probably can't go, like, on the last day of the convention. Right. And expect no, I, to, I hear what you're saying. You know, I if, mean, you go in the, if you if you wanted a figure, you were going to get a figure. Right. You know, yeah, you'd have to maybe on the first two days of the convention go stand in line for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. But it's not like if you really wanted one, you couldn't get it. But like you said, I mean, you spent hours in line. So you dedicated your time during this convention to go get this exclusive thing to make a little bit of money. So it's not like, it's not like, like I said, you just went into like Walmart and just grabbed everything and just ran off and, right. you know, went to the, the, the counter and paid for it or whatever. Like you actually spent your time, which is the most valuable thing that we have, you know, and yeah. you exchanged it. For some currency, I mean, yeah. it's like, <laughs> and then I went back and I and I and I put it right back into a vendor's hand, right? At least partially. So, yeah. oh, I also bought a painting. Actually, I forgot about that, which oh, really? I don't have here. Um, it's in storage now, but um, yeah, I can't believe. Yeah, it's probably not been here since you've been coming over. No, I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it would have been right there in that corner. Um, but it is a one of two hundred limited edition print, and it's um, actually I lied. I didn't buy that at this convention. I bought that one at the at Celebration Five. Okay. But um, it's it's big. It's like four foot by two two and a half or three foot tall, and it's um, a drawing of basically the entire Star Wars like story, hmm. like a compilate. Like it's from left to right, like Episode Four or Episode One to Episode Six. Okay, and it's kind of like this. Um, uh, what's the word for it? Like um, like mural. It's it's just really cool. Hmm. So what what uh, what month is that? Is the next? Is the it's, next in the summer, so it's in the summer. So if if we want to go, we probably need to get on finding a place to stay. Yeah, we should we should definitely look into that because I would like to go to that. Yeah, no, it's cool. And um, I think I told this story before when I talked about why I wanted to be a stormtrooper. But going to Celebration Three was what really solidified that like that was a thing and that it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and because at that time I was playing Star Wars Galaxies, which was the MMO, and I was a my character in the in that game was a stormtrooper, so mm-hmm. I had already liked stormtroopers. But then when we get to Indianapolis, so the five hundred first did a thing like before it was either before the on the first day or before the convention started or something. But we saw it. Um, it was like during the it was the first day I think they did this like opening ceremony thing themselves, and literally it was a Darth Vader leading a battalion of stormtroopers down the streets of Indianapolis. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like marching and and they're playing the fucking imperial, you know, the imperial march. And I'm like, all right, that's officially the coolest thing I've ever fucking seen yeah, in my life. So that's awesome. that was the moment I was like, uh, I guess I need some stormtrooper armor. But then even cooler than that, all I saw was the fact that at those conventions, the 501st is like working. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, they're like. The security, like checking badges, and and they're the ones doing that. So it's 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 kind of flavorful, right? That you've got like stormtroopers checking the door, like yeah, guarding the doors I mean, that's and shit. Pretty awesome. And they're just like, like stationed it. everywhere, and you know they're patrolling around in twos and shit. And you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean that definitely gets you uh, into the feel of things. I mean, you know, it, 
<laughs> I'd be a little bit nervous trying to like sneak into a convention if there was a stormtrooper standing there <laughs> taking checking badges. Well, knowing what like I know that, now so. and how not mobile they are, I don't think I'd be uh, nearly yeah. as worried. But it's just it's it's definitely as cool. Um, but yeah, that and then Celebration um, Five was really cool because that was the t- an anniversary of. The Empire Strikes Back, so it was all kind of themed around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the vendors hall is probably one of my favorite parts of that. I'm yeah, not I mean, much. It's... The panels are all right, yeah. But like, I really just like seeing the people, mm-hmm. seeing the cosplays, being in that environment. I mean, I like, think that's the biggest reason that most people go to some of these con- a lot of these conventions is to see that co- the cosplay and yeah. like, well, and be a part of the cosplay, right? Um, you know, and it's cosplay is getting so big nowadays. I mean, there's, you know, lots of uh, Instagram accounts and stuff like that that are just dedicated to, to cosplays. I mean, I know there's a lot of YouTube videos where people, you know, go to different conventions and they interview a lot of the cosplayers yeah. and whatnot. And they, uh, you know, they might cosplay themselves. I know Adam Savage, um, he's a huge he's big, cosplayer. Yeah. Um, well, and, yeah, he's got the experience, right? There, right? Yeah, and he's got the money too. Yeah. On top of that, um, you know, and he does he does this thing uh, where he goes incognito. So, oh, yeah. like, he'll pick a costume where you know you can't see his face or anything. Um, and you know, he'll wait for somebody to figure out who he is. And some of them, it's kind of funny. Cause it's like in the first two minutes, like he's just caught. It's like, Hey, are you Adam Savage? And it's like, like how in the world do these people like <laughs> have any idea? But you know, I mean, I guess you're looking at, I mean, he's putting a lot of money into his costumes. Like well, his costumes and, and, are super accurate. And he's a professional yeah. set designer, right? right? Like, I mean, this guy so he probably stands and, out. I well, mean. that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> you know, one of my, well, the coolest things that I think of my pictures of what Adam's gotten to do is seeing to see him and Tori from Mythbusters working on the Camino set for episode two mm-hmm. like the scale mod- and I'm like that wow. is the coolest thing yeah. to like have like to watch a movie like I built that and if you don't know who Adam Savage is he's from the myth he's one of the guys that's in the Mythbusters and he you know he like you said he did a lot of set design he did a, a lot of costumes yep. I mean, design that's, that's exactly and, what he does um and so now uh, Mythbusters isn't really a thing that he does anymore. So he's got a show on YouTube called Tested. Um, and so he has like a little podcast that they do on there. Um, and then they do like these like one day builds, which like one of them was he took a, a, a garage kit that was a, um, what was it, um, an astronaut. And they like put it together and paint it into one day and they do like a lot of weathering and stuff like that or um, he took like a sword like a wooden sword that he got at a convention um, and he tried to make it into like a replica of like a real sword um, so he like wrapped the blade in aluminum foil tape which is very convincing actually yeah, <laughs> um, the seam would be the, the only part that... yeah and and he buffs it and it's you almost okay. can't see the seam which I mean it's pretty impressive the way it looks. I mean there like... definitely is one but but uh, when you look at it at the end, like he hits it with like Scotch Bright, yeah, um, no, I can and see stuff that. like yeah. that, and kind of gets rid of it. Um, and then he put like uh, he put like real leather like into the into the, the handle, yeah. um, and then uh, into the the cross guard. He like drilled into it and put like he had like he has this little box of gems, and he like <laughs> was digging through the box. I mean, just a lot of really cool stuff like that. So if you're ever really interested, maybe not like full on into cosplay, but you want to like learn about building some stuff. Like, he has a lot of things on there. They talk about building Legos. Like, they'll have one where, like, when the Millennium Falcon, the new Millennium Falcon yeah, yeah. came out, um, him and, like, four other people kind of put it together, and it's like a time lapse of them putting it together, and then they'll pause and, like, talk about it a little bit. And, you know, I mean, you just kind of get to geek out with these guys for a little bit, because, I mean, <laughs> they're in a lot of the same stuff that we oh, are, absolutely. you know? absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, he goes to a lot of conventions and, you know, it, his stuff really inspires me and it makes me want to go to more conventions and stuff like that too. So well, I think it's cool. And like I said, I mean, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's a weird feeling if you've never been to a convention, especially one that's as large as Gen Con or Star Wars Celebration where mm-hmm. like, I mean, there are so many people you can't really think. Yeah. And, and but everybody's cool. Like, yeah. like, cause you're all there celebrating like one of the biggest, like realistically, like for the majority of it, I would say like one of the most central interests and passions that you have. Yeah. I, you mean, know? I you mean, know, I consider myself a bit of an introvert, but I love conventions. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. Like you would think that being in the, and I don't like big crowds. Well, I think it's because everybody <laughs> you're there with is on the same page. Right. Like it's hard for me to be an extrovert when I, like if I go out to like a bar, mm-hmm. because chances are that guy over there thinks Star Wars is stupid and right. I'm a child for liking it. And mm-hmm. He wants to know how his fantasy football team is doing. Right. Like, that's or why like, that's why I'm an introvert. It's yeah. not because I don't, you know, obviously, I mean, shit, we sit down and talk about nerd stuff for two hours every week. Yep. Like, I don't mind talking about the stuff that's interesting to me, but I guess I just maybe, and maybe wrongly, I assume that when I'm out in public and inter- interacting with the general public, that the people are not going to have an interest in the things that I have an interest in mm-hmm. because they're quote unquote different or right. not, not normal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of stay to myself and to the people that I know have similar interests. But when you're at a Star Wars convention, everybody, loves everybody Star loves Star Wars. <laughs> like there is no doubt in my mind that every single person there probably traveled for hours and is spending hundreds of dollars in hotel rooms and tickets like to be there. Oh yeah. With other Star Wars fans. Yep. You know, so you feel really comfortable in that environment. It's not like a chance meeting like, Oh, Hey, you like Star Wars? Yeah. Right. How'd you know? You know what I mean? That doesn't, you know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of just like, it, and I love the way that they've named it celebration because really that's what it feels like. Oh, yeah. Like you're celebrating Star Wars. Like what, you know, in good for good, bad, or whatever it is, you're celebrating the fact that it exists, what, whatever you like about it. I mean, there's something there for you. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing what Star Wars has turned into, though. You know, like, I mean, just to think that, like, 70, yeah, 70,000 people. But I mean, like, we would have never really known what Star Wars was as much if they didn't re release those DVDs. Like, back well, out. it was the, VHS or the VHSs, things. yeah, the special right. editions. So, and I mean, that, I could have, have that could have never happened. You know what I mean? Like, that was like, that, I mean, and that was kind of a big deal. Well, and it's, it's even really looking back, a lot of people dislike it. Right. Yeah, that's true. I I remember having a conversation with some people because, you know, the special edition effects and stuff like that. And the actual only way to own a copy of Star Wars that isn't the special edition with all the special effects um, is on Laserdisc. I was going to say, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, so... I remember, I remember years ago, I was like, man, I need to buy a Laserdisc flare and then buy... It's not pick worth it, I mean... It's actually not that expensive, though. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't really... Like, I don't I'm think not, I'm it not takes a away anything. Like that. Yeah. I don't think... Um, I don't agree with that, really. Every once in a while, I get a... Now, the hair, newer but... ones, like the ones that I have a Blu-ray compilation of episodes one through six, and I will say that some of the stuff that they've added even further... Mm-hmm. Is a little much. Yeah. Um, like, there's a scene, like, in episode four with Jabba the Hutt, and he's, like, CG'd in. And it was obvious that, like, they just couldn't do that back in the day, because, like, they filmed the scene, and Hans, like, Harrison Ford is there right. talking to something, right? Yeah. But the way they've done a CG'd everything like in they it. like, they CG'd Anakin's ghost. Like, in and I, don't, I don't mind that, actually. Really? Well, because, yeah. I mean, he was there as a ghost, right, as the, as the old Anakin. I think it actually makes more sense that he's Anakin as we see him in, the, in episode three. It's just that it, yeah. when they filmed that movie, that didn't exist. Right. That idea of Anakin didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But it makes more sense because that's Anakin back when he existed as a good, right, or whatever person. Yeah, not as sense. Not as some old guy that we don't 
know really know who he is. We see him under the Darth Vader mask. True, true. Um, but another cool story, speaking of Star Wars uh, celebration, is um, my aunt was in the elevator um, with this big tall guy, and um, they just got to talking, and it turns out it was David Prowse. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty. Awesome. You guys don't know that's that is Darth Vader in the suit. Yeah. Um, which is just, you know, I don't even think he's allowed to go anymore because he's kind of a dickhead about it. But yeah, I mean, I understand why he's kind of a dickhead about it, though. Maybe. Like if you, I mean, yeah, I mean, if if it, you really look at what happened to him, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it was pretty insulting what they did. Like basically, <laughs> they filmed him and recorded him doing all the lines of Darth Vader, and he finds out like at the premiere that none of the voice is his. Like, that's... Yeah. I mean, that's pretty... I guess. That's pretty dirty. I mean, I, Especially I, for a guy... I mean, you're... Th- I mean, think about it. Like, these guys are artists. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's expecting that his art is a part of this. And, he, you know, I mean, Darth Vader doesn't have a lot of lines, but, I mean, still, like... If you're a part of a movie and somebody else's voice is recorded over yours, I mean, you would be pretty darn offended by it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you. Especially if you didn't even I mean, know. It, it would suck. I mean, that's, that's I guess, what is, is hard to think about is that they just didn't tell him. Yeah. Like, it'd be a different thing, I guess, if they were up front, like, hey, like, we're probably not going to use your voice. Right. But, like, you know, we need to speak the lines because, like, we need, we need that for reference. We need mm-hmm. it to sync the other audio over. The other actors need to be able to respond appropriately, right? Um, so I, I can kind of see, like, it makes sense not using his voice because let's be honest, like James Earl Jones, like you, you couldn't, you, yeah, could, I can't imagine. That's Darth what I'm Vader saying. Not like, think, like James Earl think, Jones. Think about, it. yeah, there's no way you can convince me that somebody else could do Darth Vader's voice and right. it'd be like good. Mm. Like, no, I agree. I Darth mean, Vader's I agree with their decision. Like, I just don't yeah, agree with the execution. The I, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought that was pretty cool. And um, the other person that's pretty cool um, in is um shit I'm going to blank on his name Chewbacca yeah, Peter that, Mayhew. Yeah. So he is really one of my favorite things about Peter Mayhew is he's like active on the Star Wars subreddit. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's the coolest fucking thing cuz they'll like somebody will be like look at this cool, you know, they'll post a picture like look at this cool picture I found back from when they were filming whatever movie and then Peter Mayhew will just like chime in with a little anecdotal story like yeah, it was really cool we were doing this and I'm like that's freaking awesome. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. I mean, it's, it's you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger does the same thing in the bodybuilding subreddit, too, sometimes, which is even cooler. Why can't Arnold Schwarzenegger be coming to Louisville Super I know, Bowl? right? Maybe eventually, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I mean... If you guys are listening. Peter Mayhew, Peter though, he's, he's really cool, and he struggles with conventions now, I think, because he has a lot hard time getting around. Okay. Um, he's usually, at least the last time I've seen him, he had a cane. He might have a walker or something. Yeah, I mean, he's a super tall guy. Yeah, so, which I mean, when you start getting really, older and you're yeah, that hot, your you're knees that tall, and stuff. I mean, it's... Um, it's rough on the body. Yeah. So, unfortunately, you know, I don't know. I'm sure he still does it, though. But he's, I mean, it used to be that he would just, like, walk around and talk to people. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's super, you know. I mean, most of the, it's kind of funny because you see some of the other stars there, like um, Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, would not, like, you could tell was there to collect a paycheck. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, come on, man. Like, yeah. It's a celebration. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of disappointing. I mean, it's not disappointing because I guess they're real people and that's, that's, yeah, their, I mean, but it is, it's their job as I an mean, actor, actor, right? I mean, it's not yeah. like, and I guess I could see again, see what maybe someone in his perspective, it, he was a child actor. Right. Like, kinda, I mean, not everybody's kind of really shot like, his career realistically, yeah. right? Like, that reviews for that movie critically weren't great. Mm-hmm. So, and, and could anybody really take him seriously as anything other than a whiny little kid anymore? I mean, right. it, it's questionable, right? Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, who, like, were, like, a big part of it. You know, I mean, they, like, they loved going to conventions oh, and stuff like that. absolutely. And, and they love meeting their fans. And, and, uh, yeah, and I mean, even one of the cool things since Carrie's passed um, is that you see the pictures of her dog is still, like, at, on the Star Wars sets and shit. Oh, really? 
Yeah, which I think is super cool. Yeah, I think it's Gary. His, his name is Gary, and they'll <laughs> be, there's like picture. Oh, here's Gary and Daisy on instead of Star Wars. I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. Speaking of Mark Hamill, um, he did some kind of show, and I can't. I think it was like Meet the Creators or something like that, where he went to several like comic book creators. I think it was just comic books, but uh, and he did. Um, he did like interviews with these guys. So like the first one was, um, what was, um, I can't think of his name. Um, I don't know it either. Probably, uh, hear the, the Snapchat I just recorded playing in the background. (laughs) Sorry. That was like messing me up. I was like, what? Uh, Um, God, I'm multitasking. Jim Lee, I'm sorry. Jim wow, Lee, there we go. he interviewed Jim Lee. I, I kept thinking Lee, but I was trying to say Stan Lee the whole time. <laughs> um, so he interviews uh, Jim Lee, and uh, he convinces Jim Lee to draw him a picture of the Joker. Because um, I don't know, if you guys don't know who Jim Lee is, he's he's one of the most famous artists um, in comic books. He drew um, a lot of the 90s X-Men um, and he now works for DC. He mostly works on like uh, Superman and Batman and and those kinds of things. But he had him draw the Joker, and in return, he recorded a uh, voicemail for Jim Lee in the voice of the Joker. Mark Hamill, and that's why I love Mark, <laughs> man, because like he loves that shit. Yeah. Like you, and like I said, you can tell a lot of times, like when you ask a voice actor, like do this, mm-hmm. you know, like they're just kind of like fuck again, right? You know, it's a job, but like I've never seen Mark Hamill ever like hesitate. Yeah, to be like you want me to do the joke? Like he, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know, he's kind of like gets excited about it. And it's like here we go, you know, because he just loves the character. Oh yeah, I mean, I would. I how, would. how could you not? I would fight somebody to have him do my voicemail and the Joker. I mean, I think that would just be. I mean, so and awesome. I, it's one of the you know maybe that's <laughs> one of the reasons that I have so much freaking trouble accepting anybody else as the Joker. Yeah, is because like that is the freaking jo- like it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Just like you know we said with David Prowse, like or with James Earl Jones, like that's Vader's voice. Like you oh, can't yeah. convince me. I hear more even like maybe it's one of the reasons that I like the Arkham video game so much because it's like that the Joker. Yeah, like there's no doubt. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I see somebody like, you know, Jared Leto or, or, or whoever else. It doesn't really matter. Like, they just don't encapsulate that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard yeah, to. Yeah, I would love to see him as as a live-action Joker. That man. would be the coolest thing. I mean, because he, I mean, like, he, he has a look for it, too. He does. Like, like well, he, you again, you could go back to, I mean, um, Jack, yeah, or, yeah, Jack Nicholson, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, they have very similar kind of facial, I mean, sort of facial structures. They're older guys or whatever. Yeah. Um, more serious faces or whatever. I mean, I can see that. Um, I mean, Mark Hamill has a pretty good smile too. That like, like you could you could accept that he was insane <laughs> with his smile. <laughs> it's, it, I think it fits really well. Um, and I, I don't would, think they would let him you do ima- stupid. Could you imagine the hype? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, like you, you released the new Joker photo, and everyone's like, "This is fucking stupid." Right. But like, can you imagine if instead of that picture, we got a picture of like Mark Hamill in a fucking purple suit with some awesome makeup? Yeah. I mean, how many? Just think of how many how many animated characters can you think of that you actually know who the voice actor's name is? Uh, like three. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm and like Mark Hamill is the number one that yep. you know. And, and I mean, Sean Schimmel. I mean, yeah. it's Goku. Like that's. Yeah. And I don't even know why I know that. I don't even know what he looks like. I just know that's the guy's name. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think that the average person probably knows that Mark Hamill is the voice of of the Joker. I mean, if you're not into, if you never watched it, you probably wouldn't know. But I I would think that probably 50% of people that you walked up to would probably know. I mean, he was the Joker longer than he was Luke Luke Skywalker, right? Right. Yeah. 
I mean, he's still the Joker. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's recording. I mean, like you said, the Ark of Asylum games. I mean, he's. I mean, when I was looking um, online at some of the stuff that he's done, I mean, he's done so many different characters, but the Joker is who he is. Um, I mean, I, I like him better as the Joker than than Luke Skywalker. So, yeah. Well, I'm not a big Luke Skywalker fan, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we won't go. We'll try and st- not talk about Star Wars all the time. <laughs> it's really hard, guys. Um, so yeah, I just I, I'm, that was a pretty good. You know, hopefully we covered a little bit about conventions and you guys understand what to look for and what to be excited about. I do want to potentially see if before the convention we may be able to get um, one of the guys that's organizing or whatever that's kind of on the back end to come, mm-hmm. come and talk about like what he wants and what he expects and what he sees and what he's excited for and just yeah. you know, maybe do a little interview with him beforehand. I mean, another potential guest might be one of the 501st people that's, you know, I yeah. mean, that's organizing some of that stuff around here. I mean, yeah, we could definitely be. do that. I mean, I'm sure that um, at least, I don't know who we talked to, but um, John, the guy that helped Aaron and I with our armor that invited us over to his house. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you went over there too. I mean, yeah. he was a really nice guy and... Um, He's been. I mean, he he's making a really cool Cad Bane costume. Yeah, I've yeah, never seen nuts, part of that. Man, yeah. and he's got like custom casts and stuff for the head. I don't know if I'd want to wear that costume. No, I wouldn't either. Though, but man. but I will say this: it's got to be satisfying to have something that looks that damn good that no one else has really done. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, he can work in some kind of like fan system. Or I'm something, sure he's got it's just got to be. Yeah, that ne- <laughs> was it. Some kind of. I don't know if it's neoprene, but yeah, it's something. Some kind of material like that. Um. But yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about conventions. If you guys haven't been or um, or whatever, there's pretty much a convention for pretty much anything you'd want, whether it's a TV show or a movie yeah, series, literally or... anything. If you and it, if it's not around here, you can probably find it in Vegas. Like they have, it's like the the convention capital of the world. Oh yeah, <laughs> even for stupid stuff like work My stuff. Little <laughs> yeah, or, or, or you know, it's kind of funny because like you know, you have all these like business related conventions, oh, yeah. and I just I've been to a few and yeah, like my work trade is shows actually, and stuff. And I mean, I work I work for a hospital, and they're actually having a convention. Or maybe it's not a convention, but it's like this big meeting. I mean, it's probably. You might as well call it a convention, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to in Vegas, though. Um, the, yeah, there's like, um, a, you know, I work in fluid power, and there's a lot of fluid power trade shows. Even there's some here in Louisville, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it, I'll be honest, that is not the kind of convention I want to go to. No, it's really hard to walk around and be interested. Yeah, like this is purely work. I am excited to walk around and see stormtroopers, to walk around and see hydraulic pumps and valves. I could probably care less. Propane, propane yeah. accessories. That's pretty much right, man. You're, <laughs> you're not too far off the mark there. Um, so let's see. So one of the other things that you, you kind of had an idea to talk about, um, and I guess this is a good topic because we've talked about superheroes before, but we've never really talked about like what it, what makes a hero and what makes some heroes better than others. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that all day since I sent you the link. And I it's, know. It's, it's actually a harder question for me to answer myself. Yeah, well, I don't think we should, you know, we don't necessarily need to spend a ton of time because to me it's a little cut and dry. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, this is this question right here is literally the reason that I like My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Because they answer this question of what makes a hero. Like, that is the show. Right. Realistically. Like, mm-hmm. you're understanding, um, like, what makes All Might the best, the number one hero. Right. And, yeah, of course, it, his physical abilities play into that. But it's also his attitude and his mindset and the things he stands for and right. the image that he creates. Um, and then he sees similar things in Izuku Midoriya, the guy that he passes his power to. And he and you can see just um, even when Deku or Izuku Midoriya doesn't have any 
power. Like he's rushing into danger to try to save people, which is almost in that situation certain death. Mm-hmm. And and that, like in in All Might even says to him like that's like what makes a hero. Right. If someone's body is moving before they've even had a chance to think about whether this is a good idea or not, they're just like, I need to save this person. That's right. it. So not even just talking about like superheroes, but just my definition of a hero is going to be somebody that is willing to, to selflessly sacrifice themselves, you know, for any cause, you know, whether it's a soldier overseas or a police officer or a firefighter, you know, or an EMT, you know, they're willing to to go above and beyond what the average person would do mm-hmm. to either save a life or protect, you know, a person from, you know, from any kind of danger. Um, and, so, and so when you put that into the superhero realm, you know, you've got people that are that are doing these astronomical things to protect, you know, a way of life, like not even just a person, but just a like people's way of life, like people's ability to feel safe at home, you know, people's ability to walk down the street. You know, I mean, a lot of people take those kinds of things for granted. Um, you know, it's not always about like life and, and, or death and, or, you know, being injured or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's about just that feeling of comfort and safety, mm-hmm. you know? So being able to provide those things, I mean, I think that that's, that's what a real hero does to me. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think being the, like the self-sacrifice is probably the key. Mm-hmm. Um, and in any hero, I guess realistically, any hero that, um, and I guess it, it's not only the self-sacrifice, but like that's the that's it, they've almost made that their purpose, right? Like to the core of their being, they don't care about uh, going to work and getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. They care about. You know, maybe they care about how strong they are, but they care about how strong they are because it translates into their ability to do like to do good things. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I've, and I've always um, I guess I've always like admired that, like the idea that it's not necessarily about the, the tangible benefits that I get, but it's about what do I do with those benefits? Like mm-hmm. if I get stronger, what does that mean? Right. Like doesn't. Yeah, I can maybe impress some people, but that's not the point. Right. right. The point is now I can fight more effectively. Right. Or, exactly. Um or, or do things like that or you know and um i think that's it's something that you know that i've come to find i'm doing stuff like this like it's not yeah this is fun for me but like there's no better feeling than when someone's like hey man i listened to your podcast and it was awesome yeah like i really enjoy that exactly so it's 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 that i'm doing something that someone else benefits from really more than i do yeah i mean even if it's just the i mean the entertainment value that they're getting out of it or if they learn something new hey, you know we go to some of these uh you know these nerd like me meets and people will bring up something that we talked about. And they're like, you know, I I never knew that, or you know, I I looked further into that because I, you know, I never even would have thought about talking about that subject. You know, I'm not, and again, I'm not, you yeah. know, I'm not saying that we're heroes no, or anything no, no, like but, that. But, but it's, yeah, I'm not trying to posture us as any kind of heroes. <laughs> we're the heroes of the radio guy. But um, but I guess what I'm saying is, it's that the, the the benefits of what the heroes are getting are not for them, right? I mean, I guess you could argue, of course, that the feeling of satisfaction when you do something for somebody else is selfish. Mm-hmm. But we're not. I mean, real. Let's be. I don't think that's realistic. I mean, right. that's a. It's kind of a logical yeah. debate. It's not really doesn't serve the purpose, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, some of the the best heroes are, are are all about that. They're they're doing every single fiber of their being is about being better, but not being better for them. Mm-hmm. It's about being better for the people that they're serving or protecting or, or, or doing something for. Right. And and some of the biggest struggles that uh, heroes have, you know, spe- specifically talking about superheroes, I guess, um, is when they, they find that point where they 
don't know if what they're really doing is having that effect anymore. Yeah, and, and it's even um, and even further than that, you see some protagonists struggle with um, the idea of why are they doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not only is it's not only is are my actions having the intended benefits. It's why am I even doing this? Yeah, I you mean, know? one one that really comes to mind when I think about that is Doctor Manhattan from um, God, what the heck um, from. Why can't I think of it? No. Uh, the Watchmen, sorry. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I'm struggling with, with that. But uh, Dr. Manhattan, you know, um, he starts off as a, as, a, as a basic guy, and then he basically gets hit with, with uh, nuclear radiation, and it turns him into this giant, half-naked blue guy. Um, but he's got these insane powers. I mean, he's like... He's more powerful than Superman kind of thing. Like, he can stop time, change time, you know, destroy, uh, you know, things all the way down to a molecule and then rebuild them. Like, it's just insane what this guy's powers are. But, you know, he gets to the point, um, if you're watching the movie, um, where he starts seeing how the governments are running um, and what him and the other Watchmen are doing. Um, and then he actually finds out that one person that he loves, he ends up being the reason that she dies because he emits radiation. Mm. And so she ends up getting cancer and dying. Um, and I guess, you know, he kind of has this epiphany that like life is fragile. Um, and he starts seeing like the stuff that the government's doing and how they don't appreciate life. Um, and so he starts kind of having this moment where he's like, do I even appreciate life? Like, would, would the world just be better if it were just me? You know, that kind of thing. Um, kind and of you, a Thanos idea, right? right. Like, I mean, it's... It would just do the hard things. Yeah. And, and this guy started as a hero, you know, and he got to that point where he, you know, he's like, you know, should I just, should I just get rid of all evil? Well, um, what movie, I think is it... Uh, Hitchcock was that one? yeah yeah with that's, Will Smith that also I people talk shit about that movie but I actually I love that movie I thought it was pretty good and and I really liked again we're kind of talking about the discussion of like what makes a hero what are the real struggles that like a hero would have yeah and that's, mean, that's a one hundred percent if you've never seen Hitchcock like you should really consider watching I mean it's it's not the best movie ever it's it's because he's doing these things that are good he's yeah. saving people but they're also having negative unintended side effects right. Or consequences and people are giving him shit for it, mm-hmm. more or less, as they should, because like he's, I mean, you know, it's basically like he's casually saving somebody, but he's destroying an entire building to do it, you know, that kind of thing. You know, he's not killing the people in the building or whatever, but you know, or he'll, you know, he'll save somebody from a car, but he, in doing so, he completely destroys their car when he didn't really have to. You know, mm-hmm. he's just kind of casually saving people, and um, yeah, man, that. That movie, that movie brings me back. That's actually the first Blu-ray that I ever owned. Okay. I remember uh, I bought a PlayStation Three. three? Yeah, three. yeah, and uh, that was the entire reason to buy a PlayStation yeah. Three. To be honest, I mean, and I got like it came with a little coupon to get like five Blu-rays or something like that, and that was one of the ones that I picked, and I, I love that movie. <laughs> it was good, but yeah, like I said, I really like the way that examines like the the reality of a hero and kind yeah. of their struggle. Um, and even like I said, I mean, then um, we we talked about Berserk, and even looking at Guts, who I, I mean, I would consider towards the end of the series a hero, mm-hmm. um, but he kind of gets this struggle towards you know the end of it, the the original series, anyways, where he's kind of like questioning his identity and why he's doing the things that he's right. doing, and 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 it's, it reminds me of the same thing. Like he's like, why am I out here killing all these people and fighting all these battles, and yeah, I'm saving people and winning this war for these people, basically. Yeah. 
But like, why? Yeah, is there a means to the end? You know? Right. Like, what am, what am I really accomplishing? Is this for myself? Is it for somebody else? Right. Like, am I really helping him? Am I causing more trouble? Yeah. Than I'm worth. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I think is going on in his head at that point. Um, and I think that I really like the stories that that not only give us these great heroes because of the things they do, but also show us the struggle that that person goes through as a, as a part of that process. Mm-hmm. Which is again, I mean, somebody like Superman is just like, I'm just going to fix everything and be perfect. Like, right. That's not fun. That's not interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, so wires, and again, we go back to why are some heroes more popular than others? And I think that, at least for me, the, the ones that I like the most, again, have that are really multidimensional. They're not just this infallible, selfless, perfect example of saving people and fixing right. things. Um, they're they're tragically flawed in some way. I mean, the whole X Men line is all about that, right? Like, I mean, none of the X Men are perfect. Nope. You know, they all have flaws. They're I mean, all regular people. The Watchmen. None of those guys are perfect. Like, they're average Joes that just happen to have superpowers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and they don't know how to deal with everything. And they shouldn't. I mean, that makes, that's, I mean, we talked about, like, you know, what was it last week that we talked about storytelling? I mean, yep. you shouldn't have all the answers. Um, yeah. And I think that that makes an interesting character. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that Batman is so interesting is because he's got so many problems to solve, um, yeah. and he is fallible. You know, I mean, yeah, he, and, and yeah, and gosh, Batman is such a good example because he's so relatable. Yeah, like in no way, shape, or form does he have to do what he's doing. Right. Like, dude is wealthy beyond all imagination. Mm-hmm. Does not have he does not have to do anything but lay on a beach with a harem of beautiful women if he wants. Yeah, absolutely. And and. And instead, he chooses to to invest money and time in in his own body and basically be physically injured and risk risk his life to help save the city that he loves. And to me, like, that's that's a perfect example of what is a hero. Yeah. I mean, he goes all the way down to, like, you know, solving problems with, like, gangsters. You know I mean? It's not just... He's going after the Joker Thanos or, yeah, or you know, yeah. <laughs> giant characters like that. You know, he's going for like mob the, bosses right. and, and yeah, people thugs. trying to rob somebody, you know, in the middle of the street. Like he's right. going for those people. Yep. And, 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 and again, and we get back to um, what does he want to create, especially in the Batman Begins. He's trying to create a symbol and an idea mm-hmm. to, de- to deter people. Like, right. Like that guy that's selling drugs on the corner doesn't want to sell drugs on the corner anymore because he knows if Batman just happens to cross that corner when he's selling drugs, mm-hmm. he's going to be in a world of hurt. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man kind of falls along the same lines, too. You know, with everybody, when Spider-Man first comes out, like, everybody hates him, you know, because he's this vigilante. Well, maybe not everybody, but, you know. Yeah. it's a similar thing, right? J. Jonah Jameson really hates him, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's trying to spread all these lies about Spider-Man and whatnot. And, you know, all he's trying to do is go out and help people, you know. Um, it's... Yeah, being a hero is uh it's it's not an easy thing and, no and, and, it and it's not be an easy trade yeah. like it is and, and it's not an easy yeah. thing to write for either you know to make to make struggle um that's interesting and it's not just here's a problem i'm gonna immediately solve it like that's the easy way to write you know you know the the best way to uh to finish this is to just knock a guy out like well okay well that's that's just not interesting well mm-hmm. but if you if you find that guy and he gives you information on how to get to the next guy, you know, that's a little bit more interesting. You're adding, adding, adding some layers to that story and whatnot. You know, um, I had you watch, uh, one punch man. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of his story is not about the fight that he has with these giant monsters and stuff no. like that. It's all the struggles for him, you know, trying to justify, you know, himself, you know, j- justify what he does to himself um, and trying to find that self-revelation in himself. You know, he's trying to find out who he really is throughout the whole story. He's trying to find somebody that's going to challenge him and give him, you know, what he seeks. And, you know, he, he he's definitely not a perfect character. He's, no, but he's very flawed. But. I know. I have a... Well, he is and he isn't, right? We say he's flawed, but realistically, he's perfect for what they tried to accomplish. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, when I say flawed, I just mean, like, he, it, he's not... He's not Superman. You know no, like, thank God, right? I right. mean, um, he, but he is. And this that's an interesting point, is that for all intents and purposes, he is Superman right. in, in the fact that he's he cannot be beaten. Mm-hmm. He has he has invulnerable plot armor. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and, and so the thing is, he is like Superman in that respect. Mm-hmm. But unlike Superman, we get these other struggles. Mm-hmm. And these, the paint, we paint, we're painted this picture of... The things that he goes through, and yeah, a lot of it's funny, right? But that that, that I mean, it, whether it's funny or serious doesn't detract from it being good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because something's funny doesn't mean it can't also be good, right? You know, I just I, people think, oh, it's humor, it's that's not a good character, or it's not whatever. It doesn't have to be serious, right? To be well written and to be good, um, and I, and I, yeah, there's. I mean, a lot of people write him off as just satire, and he is. He, he is. is satire. I mean, he's one hundred percent. But there's just so much to that character above just being a even, clown on TV. Even um, you know, some of the conversations he has in his like in his head when mm-hmm. he's talking to to Genos, and Genos is asking him like, "How do I how do I get stronger?" Right. Like, what do I do? And he's like, "He doesn't know what to say." Right. And now he's like, "Well, shit, what do I tell him?" Because like, I don't want to like lie to this guy. Right. And then he's going to, like, go do all this shit that is not going to help him. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of funny watching. Again, he's trying to not back himself into a corner, but, like, he doesn't know how he's as strong as he is, realistically. Right. So first doing 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and running. 10, ten kilometers <laughs> every day. 10 kilometers every day. But, um, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, and not, what is it, not, uh, no AC in the summer, no heat right. in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love how intensely he says all that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, and he's in, in the idea of the problems. Like you know, you have somebody like Superman, and I can accept. Okay, if we're going to write somebody that's just perfect, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, you can't beat him, right? Like fine. So then make his struggles relevant. Like what struggles does this guy have? Mm-hmm. And at one point, he's Saitama's fighting one of these villains, and he's distracted in the middle of the fight, and the villains. I mean, the, it looks like the villains winning. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you find out Saitama is just frustrated because he realized that it was Saturday and he was supposed to be at the supermarket because of their sale. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like that, even though it's funny and it's kind of goofy, like that's the struggle that the all-powerful and plot armor guy has. Right. It's not, how am I going to beat this guy? I mean, if you were a superhero and it was Saturday and we had a meetup at Rec Bar and you looked at the at your watch and it was, like, shit, it was 730. To, you know, like, shit, I was supposed to be there an hour and a half ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. It, as ridiculous as it is, and yes, that's funny, but at the same time, it's like, that's good writing. Yeah. Because this guy would not be worried about how am I going to beat this villain. He knows he's going to beat that villain. Right. So what is this guy worried about? Exactly. And he's going to be worried about shit like that, mm. you know? Um, I mean, it's it's an anime that I think I think everybody should watch, especially if you really love, like, Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. Because, it, yes, it makes fun of that stuff, but it also gives you, I don't know, it just gives you more insight 
into one of the best one of the best written characters in anime that I've ever seen. I mean, like his story just amazes me that they were able to 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 draw me in so much in, in 12, a character in twelve episodes. in twelve episodes in a character that, like you said, is basically just unstoppable. Which normally I hate overpowered characters. But they made me love this character, you know. Yeah. It's like, and he's just this little dweeb. Like sometimes they draw him, and no, like most he's of just, the time they yeah. Do. I mean, they draw him, and like in some parts, like he's got this real serious look on his face, and he looks like you know he looks like an anime character. And then at other parts, he's just this little egghead, you know. Yeah. He's got these giant eyes, and it's just like, like why is it? Why does he look like that sometimes? But then sometimes he looks like he could be on Dragon Ball Z or something like that, yeah. you know. And it's just. It just amazes me what they're able to do with that character. Um, and, you know, he's not this giant, muscly guy. You know, he's and just... At the, and the other th- the thing that I really like about it is at the end, like or like towards the end, I don't want to give too, away too much of the plot um, if you guys haven't seen it, but um, there's like a ranking system for the heroes and, and whatever. And he's not trying to be... Even though he's clearly number one. Right. But he's not trying to do that. No. Like, he's not out there trying to be like, well, I'm going to go do all this and be super visible and make it obvious that I'm number one. Yeah. He's not even close to being number one. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, he doesn't, but, but he doesn't care. Right. Because he's just doing what he's doing. Yeah. Right. He's not, you know, and I, and I like that about him. He's not like, well, I need to be number one. I need to be on top of the, you know, everyone. Yeah, whereas a lot of the other characters, like, that's all they care about. They're right. like, I want to be number S-rank, one in the S rank. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, my hero is kind of like that too, where it's like, you know, the main character doesn't care about being the number one hero. Not you know? not from the perspective of how they're ranked, but he, he wants to be the best from a practical standpoint. Right. right. He wants to be the best because he can help the most. Right. But he doesn't want to be the best like, I'm because the it matters beat that all he's other, number one. Right. Like I, like, I can beat all the other heroes right. in the fight. Like, right. he could care less. Exactly. You know, he, he wants to do the best, but, he, you know, he just doesn't care that he has that title. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if he gets Fs... And fails in his class. He doesn't care as long as he's able to, like, help people, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I'm glad I watched One Punch Man. I mean, I'm tempted to watch it again because it's, it's that good. I mean, I've watched it, like, three times now. I feel like I need to watch it again. I mean, it's, like I said, it's only 12 episodes right now anyway, so it's, like, you know, five hours and some change or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not it's bad. Not, um, but I, I don't know why the second season is not out. Like, I don't know what the deal is with the second season. Are they doing that? I don't know. I I'm pretty know. sure they're supposed to have a second season. I mean, the end of this, I mean, the end of this one leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so I agree. Well, I, I mean, they kind of wrapped it up, though. I mean, they do wrap it up, but it's like, like, there's no way that they just ended it on that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Like, <laughs> I'll, look, I'll look into it after this. I, did, I actually haven't looked into that. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, realistically... I don't want to go in too much because since we talked about storytelling last week, I don't want to bore people with our theories on good writing and good character building. Um, So it's been almost exactly a month since we talked about any of our hobby stuff. So I figured we could spend the last 20, 30 minutes talking about um, talking about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So since we've talked last, um, you have bought and built your first Gundam model. Yeah, so I bought uh, the RX-78 Mega Scale model, which is actually a pretty good size model. I think it's about... 13 inches? 13, yeah, something like 13, yeah. 14 inches. It's like 350 millimeters or 370 yeah. millimeters. Yeah, and uh, it's 
it's actually more articulatable than I expected it to be for being like the detail that they kind of put into that yeah, scale. Yeah, and, and it was it's kind of funny because um, not that you you weren't, and I guess we never really discussed the detail or how they were posing or whatever. But you did mention some like when you're talking about building it before you're like, oh, do I need to glue it in, in its pose mm-hmm. and do all this kind of stuff? And I, the whole time I'm kind of thinking like they're pretty damn good. Like yeah, um, you know, one thing that's the one thing I will say about Gundam models is that they are like if you built any other kind of model this is hands down a cut and above anything else you've touched oh yeah definitely it is not you're not playing on the same field as a a model of a car or a model of a tank or Mm -hmm. or anything else i don't know they have some serious engineering i mean there's no glue whatsoever i mean i I was pretty not a drop i was pretty damn impressed with even (laughs) even in the most detailed kits yeah not a drop of glue. Yeah, that that really amazed me because I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, do I need to like glue some of these parts just to kind of keep them together so I can hold this pose that I like? And it's like, no, not at all. Like I expected like that I was going to put my guy in the pose that I put him in he's and he fall. was just going to fall over. And, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, granted, I don't know how long he's going to stay in that pose, but I mean, right now it seems like it's been about he's a week to stay in that yeah. pose. So, uh, you know, I was pretty impressed with that. Um, you know, it's like 300 and something uh, pieces, which is small, really. Which size. It's small for like a Gundam, but it's pretty big for like a, a regular model kit. Like if you're talking about like cars or something like yeah. that. I mean, those are usually about, I don't know, between like a hundred and some, I have no idea. And some change so or something yeah. like that. Like there's not like usually in model kits for cars, like most of the detail that you're putting together is the engine. And then mm-hmm. everything else is just kind of just there. I mean, mm-hmm. the body I is, mean, one is usually piece. one piece. Maybe the doors are separate or whatever. But I mean, I put that kit together in like what? Two, two hours, hours and two and change. Hours, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was pretty impressed with how fast that went together. I know some of the other kits, like the Perfect Grades or something like that, are going to take you maybe a couple days, um, you know, to put together just yeah. because they're pretty complicated. I mean, they have thousands of pieces. Yeah. I mean, you're talking on the Perfect Grade, you know, you're going to have an entire mechanical frame. Right. And, and, I mean, complete with, uh, like, cabling and hydraulic pistons and... I mean, every finger articulates. I mean, yeah. every joint on the finger articulates. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot going on. Now, you know, this one doesn't have that much detail. Um, like, you can't move the hands and stuff like that. Like, the hands are two pieces, and to put, like, a gun in a hand, you have to actually take the hand apart to put the other gun. But, like, I- that, that that's like... I have a... That's either a high grade or a real grade, and he's like that also. Okay. So, you know, I think this one was like the perfect intro for me. Um, it was about a hundred bucks. Uh, actually, I think I paid a little bit less than a hundred. I think I paid 80 bucks for it. Um, and I think I got a Zaku too. Uh, which was the same type, uh, the mega scale, and that was about eighty or ninety bucks. So I mean, it's a pretty reasonable entry level for what you're getting out of these kits. Um, yeah, it just depends on what you want. So those mega size kits are good if you want something big, um, you know. But the, the detail, like Chris said, is not there. Yeah. Um, there's probably more detail on my little high grade over there that was twenty bucks. Um, just as far as. The panel lining and um, the way the kit's assembled, the joints and right. stuff like that are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to know the difference, like the this high grade, I mean, it's probably what, like uh, he's four and a half, five inches tall or no, something he, like that? Probably closer to, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'd have I mean, he looks like seven. he looks like he's just about, 
I mean, he's a little bit bigger than the one that I got's foot. <laughs> like the the foot on that thing was like huge. I couldn't I couldn't believe how big that thing was. So you know, I mean, it's just it's whatever you're looking for. I mean, if you want to spend a little bit less, I mean, you can get one for like like you said, like twenty bucks, twenty bucks, yeah, and uh, and have a smaller one to put together. I like the bigger ones. I, I have I collect you know a lot of the bigger statues so it kind of fits it in fits, with my collection does. so that's why i really wanted one of those and i think i'd like to paint it um and a bigger one is going to be a little bit easier to paint um so that's why oh for sure i went with that for sure and realistically that's the thing is um you don't have to paint them no um, you don't you know they're all really really well painted anyways um but it does add a different look like the mm-hmm. models still look plasticky that's the right. best that's the best way that i can describe it mm-hmm. if you're not painting it, it it looks a little plasticky yeah um but it's not bad it doesn't look bad plastic it's not cheap plastic mm-hmm. um and even doing something like putting a, a, a flat matte like clear coat mm-hmm. on the plastic can even take away some of that right plastic yeah the plasticky look and improve, but the models in general are pretty damn you know accurate as far as the color goes out of the box. Yeah, and then you can you can also add like some of the panel liner, um, you know, just to kind of make the each panel stand out a little bit better. I mean, you know, there's a lot of little things that you can do, and you can do that on top of the plastic too. Yep. To you don't have to paint the whole thing, um, and that just really makes each part stand out. Um, so I picked and up it some adds of that, that stuff depth too. and yeah. it catches your eye a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, panel lining makes a big difference, I think, in how good a kit looks. Right. Um, and then you got decals that you can add. Yeah, to water them slides and all kinds of stuff. Depending on the kit, there might be hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that I got is a tiny little sheet little sheet but uh i'm kind of happy with that i don't really yeah some of the real grades are like (laughs) intense with how many stickers they have water slides they have um but yeah i mean uh so the other thing we both have bought um what are called god hand nippers um that are marketed for gundams Mm -hmm. um, but they are freaking phenomenal yeah, they're, I mean, they're kind of intimidating when you first open them up, too, because it's like, I mean, it's a lot going on on that little thing, and they're, they're, they seem really small and fragile, but they're actually, they're pretty I mean, stout. They, they, they seem pretty stout, like after you start kind of getting into them. But what they do is they, when you're clipping them off the sprue, um, it gets you really, really close to the point where if you're, if you get good with them, you probably don't even have to clean up that sprue that, or whatever you call the, the leftover, the nub. Yeah, there you go. Um, now I still do like I I I couldn't get them close enough on on certain parts where I had to come back in with an exacto knife and kind of clean mm-hmm. it up a little bit. Um, but I mean I'm used to doing that from War, Warhammer miniatures and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah, it's no big deal. And, yeah. and I don't think for me the purpose isn't so much to get the nipper so close to the model piece that I don't have to use a, an exacto to mm-hmm. clean it up. Um, for me, it's they cut so well that there is no stress placed on the part right or on the sprue because what happens with some cheaper nippers um is that it almost tries to rip like from, from just mechanical force like mm-hmm. almost rip the part away from the sprue yeah because they're just not sharp yeah they're not um and what ends up happening is you have um potentially like that when you pull a plastic and you and i'm sure you guys have all seen this it almost stretches and gets that white appearance mm-hmm. Yep. And sometimes that'll happen to the part that you're trying to put together in a model kit. And it just looks like ass. Right. Um, so normally, you know, I almost sometimes, a lot of times I'll cut, if I didn't, it was, if I had shitty nippers, I'd be cutting the stuff off the sprue with an exacto, mm-hmm. which sucks. Yeah, it's it takes a lot of time. To cut yeah, the, it's not fun. I remember when I first started putting together Warhammer managers. I didn't have an exacto knife. I didn't have nippers, so I used a steak knife, like a serrated steak knife, <laughs> and I would like saw these things off of there. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was probably—I mean, it was probably like months before 
I even thought to ask my mom if she would let me buy like an exacto knife. I mean, because I like you know I'm ten years old. I mean, I, it's, you, you got to kind of worry about a ten year old with an exacto. Knife. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I still cut myself dang. with them. Oh, shit. I cut myself all the time with exacto yeah. knives. Um, but yeah, I mean, so then that's the one thing I will say um, that that bugs me a lot when I'm looking at other people's kits is like it oh, adds when they have when the you don't clean the nubs up, man. Oh. It, it it breaks my soul. It does because you you know you have this really detailed kit you have, that looks awesome, and you're putting a lot of time into them. I mean, two and a half hours. I mean, and that's on an easy kit. You yeah. know, um, I mean, that's if a you're lot spending of time. a day or two putting something together, I mean, you know, spend the extra hour or whatever it takes to, to take an Exacto and clean up those nubs. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I know maybe I'm a perfectionist or, or whatever, but um, I guess I just compare what I what I'm doing to the guys that you know what like what the model kit i see on instagram and on reddit and, mm-hmm. and you know i'm like you would never see a nub on one of those yeah things. and i mean they're intended to be cleaned off i mean it's not like you're just yeah. not taking it's not like you're not panel lining your stuff you know what i'm saying like that might you know yeah, you're, that, it's supposed to be flush right yeah like i mean is. you're not going above and beyond you're doing the bare minimum <laughs> yeah, I mean, realistically you're right i mean that, yeah that's 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 the correct way to put it um so yeah i mean just if you need a better set of numbers and i understand the godhead nippers are pretty expensive i mean yeah you don't have to go that far we're, no we're no both i mean kind of we have problems. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, realistically, they I could have bought several model kits for what I paid for those things. Um, but they work really well. But on top of that, like just a, a decent set of Tamiya nippers are probably mm-hmm. fine. And uh, an exact any exacto knife you get at a hobby store or, or Walmart or whatever um, yeah. will be more than enough. And the thing is, you're going to reuse them. So yeah, you might spend the ten or twenty bucks once, but now you have them. Yeah, with the God hands though, you do get like that lifetime warranty where if they ever get dull. You can mail them back, and they'll they'll sharpen them for you. Which I mean, that's pretty you know, worth it. Yeah, I mean, I mean for me, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been having for a long time. I mean, I've used a lot of nippers over the years, and I'll tell you what: the first time, I, I mean, I didn't even use them on a Gundam model; I used them on Warhammer miniatures. Yeah, and, and like, when you first cut through, it's like what, what? <laughs> yeah, like it is. Yeah, because normally there's always resistance. Yeah. Like you have to, you know, you and grab, you hear the clip. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you get that little like the you know the piece breaking. Yeah, but with this, it's just like silent. It literally just clo- like the, the handles just close, and you're almost just like, is that serious? Like when you when you use the analogy, like it cut through it like butter. I mean, that is exactly what's happening. I mean, yeah. it's it, yeah, they're they're freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so congrats on your first Gundam. Um, I'm interested to see you build the the Zaku also. Um, and put them, and I want to see you paint them. Um, yeah, hopefully I can get around to that. I mean, I'm gonna time is time is getting a little bit short. I'm starting back on my master's degree, so that's gonna be taking up some of hey, my. You don't time. need that painting gun. Painting gun yeah. is way more important. I mean, you know, in the end, it might. <laughs> I mean, I bet if you po- if you post a really nicely painted Gundam on your Facebook page and you post your master's degree on the Facebook page. The I'm gonna get more likes on, on the Gundam. Gundam. Yeah, 100. <laughs> so I mean, what's really important my, here, Chris? My mom will probably give me a like on the master's degree. My grandma. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe maybe a couple friends will be like, just give me the I, thumbs up. I'm for up. sure not going to like it. Yeah. Like, uh, you wasted so much time and doing money. this. <laughs> At least work's paying for it, yeah. so it's not that bad. But, yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, uh, on top of that, I ha- I still have ha- I have my Gundam model that I haven't built yet. It's also a Zaku. Because um, I already have an RX-78, so I bought a Zaku in the same scale. Um, I just haven't built it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do that at some yeah. point. You got a lot coming up yourself. I do. So, <laughs> and and we've got our little uh, our little Warhammer League thing coming up. I know. So yeah, which uh, got to work on them too. Yeah, which I'm not too far off, honestly. So no. I think um, you know we're going to start at 500 points. Um, 
which I think for me is 20 uh, Dryads, which are just like my main troop, and then one Branch Witch, which will be like my leader, mm-hmm. and then three of my Kurnoth Hunters. Yeah, I love those models. Yeah, they're so, just big, like just big treemen. Or actually, they're not big tree. They're like medium sized treemen, basically. Yeah, um, but they're just like the specialists, I guess. Yeah, they got, um, some of them got bows. Are you yeah, the, ones I'll, I'll, the bows? Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> At least for three of them. And when I say bows, I mean these are basically like giant. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, what are I mean? What are the actual bows called? Great uh, bows. No, but I'm thinking of the like the um. God, why can't why can't I think today? Like the war machine. Yeah. The what? Are, what are those I don't called? know what that's the, called. Um, I keep wanting to say trebuchet. I, I know, know, but that's not, that's not it. Is, that's but, not uh, it. I know what you're talking about, though. But yeah, it is basically a piece of artillery. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it has a 30 inch range, which is basically Brandon's the, probably laughing at us right now. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is this. <laughs> we guys can't think of this. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, it has a 30 inch range, which is pretty much the whole board. Yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes. Um, most, I would assume most units don't have that kind of range in Age of Sigmar. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember seeing much stuff over like 18-inch range. Right. So, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty nasty. Um, you mean, yeah, and their, their models are really cool, like Chris said. Um, one of my favorite things is they have these little quivers, um, like, the, you know, holding arrows. And they're like these little tree stumps that are on the backs of these little beetles. Um, so it's, it, it, there's a lot of cool um, little details on these models, which is one of the reasons I really like it. But anyways, so um, I, really I've only got to paint, if we're talking 20, so 24 models to start our league. And then I need to add another 250 points. Ballista worth. is what I was thinking. Ballista, all right. <laughs> um, so another two weeks after we start, I'll have to add a two, 250 points or 500 points. Yeah, I don't know. We probably we 500. Have it down, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking just to keep stuff interesting. I mean, we don't want it to. to we don't want to wait slow. forever. Yeah. So maybe five hundred than than a. So I mean, realistically, I've already got sixteen of my dryads built. So I only need to build four more. I've already got the branch witch built. So I've only got to build four dryads and three Karnoth hunters. Which yeah. So you're right. You're right. There. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'm. They're all built. I mean, that's yeah. not going to be an issue. I mean, it's, it, and I mean, realistically, um, if we airbrush them, I, they will be eighty percent done. Oh yeah. Pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it might take me a little while to get them detailed and perfect, but I mean, they'll look like trees, right. you know, pretty quick. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm right there. Um, I've got the rest of it. Oh, I've got the whole army bought. It's just not built or anything. Yeah, I saw the the big pile on the, the table pile. over there. Yeah, that's <laughs> a pile of Warhammer stuff. Um, Everybody that plays Warhammer has a big pile of Warhammer stuff. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a disease. Part of the reason, that, you know, I need to find uh, I need to look at those the Battle Foam cases again because I think that's the brand I'll probably go with. Yeah, I like Battle Foam. That was yeah. one of the first big companies that I used. Um, but I need to get a case to put all this stuff in because one of the reasons that it's it's I'm hesitant to build this stuff is because I don't have a place to put it. Yeah, transporting there's, it is. There's a little you know I mean on these models they're really cool but they have a lot of small intricate details that are also unfortunately easy to break off. Yeah. So, so I need to make sure that once I have these things built, I'm going to take, you know, they're not just going to turn to, you know, plastic bits How yeah. when I, you know, carry them. Yeah, you did break up quite a few of your Goliath bits. And I still, I, I did. And actually, I, I broke some more even in the case I have. Really? My leader has a, like kind of a, a metal mohawk thing and some of the spikes broke off the top. Really? In that yeah. case? In the case. Well, that's a, that's a bummer. Yeah. And maybe it didn't, maybe it happened when I was taking them in or out of the case. I don't mm. know. Or playing with them. I don't know. But they're, they're not there anymore. <laughs> hmm. Not a big deal. Yeah, my my gang is getting lit up anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> they, they deserve to have pieces battle of damage. Fun. Yeah, um, but yeah. So we are. Uh, what else? We're, play, we're playing Necromunda. Chris has not played. I feel like in like three weeks. It has been a while. I, my opponents just haven't been available to play me. Like so, I'm, and then I. It's half and, my fault. I mean, I haven't been around on the weekends. I've been running around trying to 
play army man um <laughs> basically <yeah. laughs> um but so it's it's half my fault i mean i'm not gonna put all the blame on there but i tried to like reach out to them be like hey can you play any of these days and yeah it just never happened and then now this week i've got i'm on a buy yeah which is ridiculous <laughs> because we played this so every week um there is a scenario that basically the game is not just shoot each other until you're dead. There yeah. is something complicating the situation somehow or some other objective like this team's got to run away from this team or mm-hmm. um, this team's got to go capture this thing or this team's got to destroy this thing or something. Well, this week, the the scenario was based around a monster being in the vicinity, basically. Mm-hmm. And as a model would take a flesh wound, it would summon these tentacles. Um Within a couple, within D6 inches, I think, of the fighter that took the flesh wound. Right. Um, almost like the monster was like smelling blood or something, right? And it would pop up near the person that was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had to kill... So basically, you had to kill six of those tentacles to summon the big monster. And then you had to kill the big monster to get a uh, reputation, which is basically how we... Or how you win the, the campaign is by having the most reputation. Right. Um, so it was kind of tricky to even get to the point where you summon the monster because these tentacles, um, A, only appeared when you there were flesh wounds, which means there had to be six flesh wounds dealt on the board for this, the big monster or for, to even get the chance to kill the things to get the big monster right. to show them. <laughs> which, I mean, six flesh wounds is a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a problem for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the other problem was the the tentacles are very hard to hit, so you could not shoot at them from outside of six inches. Really? Oh wow! So you had to be <laughs> six inches away, which, oh by the way, the thing can attack you at six inches away. Yeah. Um, but so, and I think it was basically the closer you got to it, the more likely it was that it would attack you. Mm-hmm. So if you were six inches away, I think you had to roll a one or a six to, for it to attack you. So it was a sixteen percent chance or whatever. Okay. What's is that the math? Sixteen percent. Thirty two. 33 percent one or a six no it was so it was either only a one or or, oh oh it was one of the six yeah so like yeah so a 16 point six seven something yeah (laughs) yeah so you know they're not that big of a chance but the closer you got the more like it'd be like a five and a six or four five and a six right you know get more likely that the thing would attack you if you if you attacked okay or actually it was sorry it wasn't if you attacked it it was if you started or ended an action within within six inches of Mm -hmm. so obviously starting a shoot action or whatever counted so it's not like you could sit 20 inches away from it and shoot at it right you had to be right up on it which automatically gave it a chance to attack um it was i think it was a minus two to hit oh (laughs) jeez. and then it was like a toughness five or toughness six so it was pretty tough to wound Mm -hmm. and then it had three wounds so you had to yeah so so that means to even get the big monster to show up you had to deal first you had to take six flesh wounds Uh uh-huh then you had to deal 18 wounds to these tentacles that are hard as hell to hit the wound right and then you and then only then do you summon the big monster that you got to (laughs) kill and what's even worse is the when the damn thing hits you? I forget what the statistics were on its attack, but it was basically it was gonna hit you and it was gonna hurt. Right. I mean, it was pretty much a one hit. Like unless it was like a champion or a leader, like it would your guy was just done. No, oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, I, I can't lie that I'm I'm happy I missed out. Yeah, I mean it was like I was kind of like, how do you even win this? Like I was looking at this, like I don't see the. So did so you played your game on I did. this one? And I did either of you win or did no, you? no, no, not even close. So did both of you bottle? I or? bottled. Okay, and then the game's over and they don't win because yeah. to win you have to kill the monster. Gotcha. So it was almost like for realistically, it was just like I took a bunch of damage, like and had to deal. You know, I spent money because my leader was one of the ones that went out of action. Mm-hmm. So he he's 
he went to the he had to go to the doctor because he was like seriously injured. But at least he didn't die. This he time didn't the doctor. die. He didn't. He got a <laughs> hand injury, which means he has minus one weapon skill. Oh man, your leader is minus one weapon. Yeah, skill. I know, right? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's all right. He's not going to be in close combat anyways. I mean, he's got the grenade launcher. Yeah. He mostly shoots. Um, so I'm thinking about maybe trying to get him a different weapon, okay. maybe a heavy bolter or something like that. Um, or even I'm going to give him the overseer. Well, the hand injury. How is he going to hold that heavy gun with a repulsor? <laughs> So, um, but the other thing is I'm going to give him the, the overseer skill, which basically allows me to pass his activation to another fighter within 12 inches of him um, as though they had never been activated. Okay. So it'll basically give somebody, one of my other fighters, four actions instead of two. Okay. Um, and the strategy with that, and typically with a Goliath, would be um, to move that fighter, X, uh, I guess, eight inches from where they are. Mm-hmm. Then activate him again with the leader because he's still within the twelve inches, mm-hmm. and then charge from that point. So he's just from from where he is originally. He's able to move, you know, basically twelve inches plus D three to charge instead right. of the four. Okay. Um. And and yeah. And I'm I'm really rethinking whether I want to play Goliath with the real campaign or not. With you know, this is just our trial or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, shooting is just so much better. There's yeah. no. I mean, there's I no. I've it. played, you know, I've played plenty of games now to where I'm like, I'm just at a severe disadvantage because I'm getting shot up before I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And sure, I've got these guys that'll do pretty good in melee, but I got to get them right, and that just typically doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes, you know, especially when we're playing on the bigger maps where there's, you know, I mean, four foot by four foot. There's, you can pretty much see the whole. Like nobody's in perfect cover. Yeah, you know, on the on the zone mortalis board or whatever that comes with the game, there are solid walls that you can't see through. And in that situation, melee makes a little more sense because I could potentially maneuver through hallways and shit and, and, and be in a position where I could charge before I get shot at because yeah. you can't shoot me through a wall. But on these big open fields, it's like there is literally no way I'm making it 30 inches across the board no. to charge you before you fucking kill me. Yeah. Because every single one of the guys on your team can see me. Yeah. And it takes me four turns to move that far. And by, and every time I stop, I'm getting shot at by three guys. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely a tough part of playing that that game. I mean, you do kind of make up for some of it with being more tough. But I don't sometimes, think it's worth it, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about that toughness, but I still take one. It's not like, you know, more times than not, I'm still dying when I'm talking about getting shot at by somebody with a fully automatic weapon that hits me three times. Right. It's like, well, shit, who cares? That pretty much undoes my good toughness, Mm -hmm. you know, because now you get to roll three times. Um, So I'm just thinking they're a cool gang. I really like them aesthetically. In theory, I like the idea of these tough, strong guys that are good in melee. But just play, like, after having played the game, I don't think it's a good fit to be competitive. No, I I mean, I can definitely understand that. I don't know. Maybe you just need more grenade launchers, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, I mean that's that's decent. I mean, you know, it's nice when I hit somebody and they immediately you know, does two damage and it's like see ya. Right. But um, but again, I just don't feel like because of my weapon skill being so low with everybody but my leaders and my champions, like I'm not the likelihood of me hitting somebody is pretty low. Right. Com- relatively, you know, I've got fighting gangs where people are hitting on twos and threes, and I'm hitting on fours, fours and fives and shit. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I, I don't know what it feels like to be like that. Cause I know. I, I hit on twos all the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's a, it's a different ball game. And I mean, I guess you I could argue that maybe because I started after you guys and I'm at a, at a credit. That is a big part of it. I mean, I, I I'm mean, not going to say... I'm not going to say it's overwhelmingly, but I mean, just look at how many points down that you are from the average team. I mean, yeah, probably, probably at least 500. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's half your gang. It, 
I think you would be doing better if you had half more, you know, 50% more guys on your team. Yeah, I want even better equipment and stuff too, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you know, I don't have any of these crazy big fully automatic weapons and yeah. things Plasma like that. Cannon. Yeah, I don't have any of that shit. Yeah. What was that like damage? What was it? What's the damage on that? Um, I think it's damage too, but it's like you you can have the blast template, so I can hit like is you that know, the two or three. Cannon? What am What am I thinking of? That's uh the last cannon, maybe. Oh, the last cannon. Yeah, that sucker is nasty. I think it's like damage six or something, yeah, something like D six or, or something. D, like yeah, that. it's something different. <laughs> it's, um, it's basically you're not a coming laser back from sniper rifle. Yeah, you're not coming back from that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, we we we've been playing that. Um, it's going all right. I'm just, I guess, it's, for me, it's just a learning curve because, yeah. and I'm actually glad because it's been the. I mean. It's been the first Games Workshop game I've played in probably 10 years. So before jumping into a Warhammer campaign, at least I get my feet wet. With, yeah, exactly. With something like that, that's you know, it's not that serious. I don't, I, obviously, I'm at such a disadvantage. Like, I didn't go walk into this thinking I'm going to, like, win. No, but, but you could. I mean, I could. Especially with all this extra rep you're getting. I know, but the last, the last two games, I haven't gained rep like that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Thank but, goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it was like I think you have more rep than I have. And I've no, it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, like, Bobby was talking uh, Saturday, and he's like, yeah, if I'd gotten this, I would have had 20 rep. And I'm like, dude, I have 17. I've played three games. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I have, like, 12. Yeah. And I've played, I don't know, like, six games or something yeah. like that. So. But the difference is... Like, whoever, even if it happens that I get into the finals with somebody, like, whatever, if I'm the, one of the last two games, yeah. like, I'm going to lose. You still got to beat that guy. I'm going to lose. It also depends on the scenario, though. I mean, what if it's a scenario where you can only bring six guys? <laughs> well, it, it's not so much that. Like I said, for me, it's more of a, it's a, what I'm good at, like, what my gangers are, what my gang is good at, it's just not good in the game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm good at melee combat, but melee combat is not a good thing in that game. Like, yeah. It, it's not like you're you're not right up on each other. Well, you know, like when we started creating your army, I mean, I wanted to... My idea was to emphasize on shooting, but you always had the threat of being able to do melee. Right, and, but that's, and I get it, but, it, but that is a visible threat. People understand it, that it's there. Mm-hmm. And realistically, when you look at it, like, like no one's going to... Like, if they're not good at melee or they're in a bad situation, they're not going to let that, that happen. Right. Like, I have to move. So it's not like, I surprise, surprise, I'm charging you. Hmm. Like, you know what I'm doing. Right. If I'm moving two guys closer to you with big swords in their hands or power axes, it's like, I do he's wish, trying to get close enough to charge. Yeah, I do wish smoke grenades were a little bit better because um, they're nowhere near as good as I thought they were um, when I originally looked at them, which is kind of disappointing because... I think that that would make a pretty good difference if if they didn't just disappear most of the time. Yeah, because you know? I, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I think they should at least screens, stay. Right? I think they should at least stay a whole turn, you know, guaranteed, and then you roll and see if. Well, that's what happens, right? Oh, well, it's it's till the end of the turn that you roll. Mm-hmm. So, like if. If you threw it this turn, I think it should come all the way around until the next end phase. Okay. You know what I mean? That way you get some actual use out of that smoke grenade. You know, instead of it just being like, well, I got a, you know, you basically have what a thirty three percent chance that it stays because it's a five or a six it yep. stays. It's yep. like, man, that's kind of, I don't know. It just seems like it a should waste be the opposite, right? Yeah, sixty or maybe just fifty fifty. I mean, I, I would yeah. be okay with that, or I mean, even sixty thirty or something like that. But but like I said, I mean, if even if it it stayed a whole round and then disappeared at the end of that automatically, like at least you're getting some. You're getting a reasonable amount of use out of it, I think, by being able to at least block one advance. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. That's I see what you're saying. Something that they could they could look into in the future, but 
Because I think it's it was one of those things that it can be really powerful um, and it can be debilitating to an army that's just shooting. But they, I mean, they added counters for it. I mean, there's photo goggles so you can kind of see through that stuff. So it's you know if if it's an issue in your meta, you can just buy the goggles and then you've got guys that can kind of see through it and and fight against it. But it's not like you're going to have everybody that's got no. these goggles on them. So you're still going to have some advantage by having that smoke. And then you're also spending credits on stuff that works only against one gang or whatever you know mm-hmm. whoever's got those right. grenades so yeah i just feel like in general the, the game is not very balanced in a lot of ways yeah i feel like certain- it's really yeah i mean and it's i think it's intentionally so um you know not not that they want a game that is that is not exactly perfectly balanced but i think that they do it like that um just to create some lopsidedness and for people to be able to kind of rise to the occasion if you know like somebody's a really good player and they play goliath like i'm sure they can beat just about anybody um I just as, don't think so. I mean, I, th- I think they can. I mean, it's it's all about it, it's all about knowing how the army works in and out, and and making those small adjustments um, in gear and stuff like that as as you kind of level up and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm not really good at the game. Like I, I this is the first time I played it since like 1995. So I don't. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I think that you can really take advantage of that gang, especially if you start, um, I mean, one of the biggest things that I think you should improve is your guys' toughness. Like I wouldn't even give them skills. I would give them toughness bonuses because toughness five is kind of a big deal in that game. Um, especially if you get to toughness six, like that's like you're, and that's going to take a little while to get to toughness six, but toughness six, you basically need sixes to wound with anything strength three or less. Yeah. But, but some of the big weapons I'm getting lit up with are not strength three or less. Right. But I'm saying, but the average weapon is strength three and most people don't have guns. Don't have most miniatures on the board are not going to have a gun that's stronger than strength three. Right. So you're going to have some specialists that are going to have higher strength, but usually they're strength five. So they're still wounding you on a five, you know? So, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, and that's where I went first with my guys. Like, all of my characters are toughness four now, which they're average, you know, the average toughness is three. So, and they can't go any higher. My guys have, like, some kind of weird debilitating thing where they Hmm. can't be toughness five. Um, But toughness, I think, is a a really important part of the game. Because, I mean, like, you know, every point of toughness that you go up um, is going to make a difference. Um, So, I may do that with my champions. Yeah, with my leader, I still think that overseer perk is good because again, it allows me to make melee a viable mm-hmm. option, right? Mm-hmm. And I even have some tactics cards that, you know, your charge is double, right? Instead of you know movement plus d d three. Also, movement's a big deal for those guys. I'm that's a like I couldn't even um, in that game I couldn't even make it up the ladders because we played in the ash cloud. Mm-hmm. You can only do one move action per ta- per turn. So the ladders were 5 inches tall. Oh, that's kind of shitty. So the only way my movement's only 4, the only way for me to do it would be to charge and roll. I guess I'd automatically make it. Yeah. But to charge up the ladder which takes both of my actions for the turn. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they made they made it like that. Like the terrain is 5 inches tall but Goliath can only move four inches. I think that, I think that was kind of an oversight. I mean, I guess it could have been intentional to kind of, but I don't know. Yeah, no, but anyways, I mean, I'm just, I'm just tossing around ideas. I'm, I'm not sure. Like I said, I like the guys. I think they're cool. And I think they have potential. And maybe I just don't know how to pilot them very well. But, mm-hmm. um, but I just feel that every game I've played, not only because of equipment, but just like, just the way the dice roll, like I feel at a disadvantage. Right. That's all. It's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm in a shooting fight with you. I'm hitting. I have to shoot. Roll a four. To hit you, you have to roll a two to hit me. Right. 
like you know, yeah, there's some 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 toughness shenanigans in there where I might be a little harder to wound. Um, but again, when you're getting multiple hits on me, like you're three times as likely to hit me versus me rolling against you once. Right. Um, so that's where I'm coming in. It's kind of like shit. If you get every turn, every guy gets three chances to wound me, and I'm only getting one chance to wound your guys. Like I don't care what you have to roll. You're way more likely to do it. Yeah, because you get three dice rolls versus my one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I, that's the only thing I, where I felt at a disadvantage. I can understand if somebody's got a weapon or somebody's got armor or something like yeah, that's pure credits. You've you've gained. If I had started at the same time and I would have been on the same credit gain curve, we'd probably be in a lot similar of a situation yeah. where I've got yeah, I've got big scary weapons too, right? But that's yeah, just that's... so I, I can understand that difference where I'm like, well, he's got a good gun. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's like when the normal guy is just lighting up my champion. It's like, well, this is silly. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's my only concern. And, and like you said, I, I just haven't felt that those mechanics are very balanced. But again, I, like you said, I don't think they're meant to be balanced. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Um, and maybe there are some scenarios where the toughness and the melee power helps, but I just haven't. In none of the games that I've played has that been the case. Right. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Like I said, I'm still having fun, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's really what matters. I mean, and, you know, we can look at, you know, at the end of the season or whatever when we're done, you know, you can reevaluate, you know, at that point and see if maybe that army's not for you or mm-hmm. maybe maybe it would have been just a better game if, if you were more balanced against everybody else, you know, credit wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may be the case. I don't know. But, um, but anyways, um, so we're pretty much out of time. I don't want to drag on too much longer. Um, so we didn't get the, we touched on Warhammer though. So I think we touched on everything but magic, I guess. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, so anyways, um, this weekend we'll be at Rec Bar on Saturday, seven, six, six. Yeah. Yeah. I, I unfortunately won't be there. I'll be in Lexington all day. Um, yeah, I won't be there either. Well, I'm, I might end up going. I don't know. It depends on what time I'm done with my stuff this weekend. So Okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, um, the group will be there in general. Um, what else? Uh, Magic on Mondays at Cardinal. Um, come out um, if you guys want to play, learn, whatever. Um, anything else I'm missing? Question, comments, if you have any. Oh, yeah. Else, yeah. If us. you guys have questions, comments, um, things you guys want us to talk about, if you um, have a good idea for a topic or something, um, let us know. Uh, you can message us on Facebook, uh, respond to the, the, the thread that I post, the post, uh, the Facebook post for the, the episodes. Um, you can email us at a nerd like me media at gmail.com. Um, and other than that, thanks for listening, guys. I did go through and look, and thanks to everybody that has rated the show and reviewed the show on iTunes specifically is where I looked. Um, I really appreciate that. that. That does help us out big time. If you guys haven't done that, I'd appreciate it if you do do it. Um, so other than that, just uh, subscribe, share, tell your friends. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.